wrote my book, How to Be Rich, the publishers wanted to change the title. They wanted to call it How to Get Rich. Well, I told them, getting rich is easy. I mean, any fool can get rich. And any number of fools do. I've noticed that. But being rich, <laughs> that's something else. When a man becomes wealthy, he has to deal with the problems of freedom. All the choices he could possibly want. An abyss opens up. Well, I've watched that abyss. I've watched it ruin men, marriages, but most of all, it ruins the children. I thought I could trust my own blood. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I am joined once again by Will Steele to discuss Christopher Plummer's Oscar-nominated performance in the 2017 film All the Money in the World. Will, good to have you back on the show. Hello, Gordon. Good to be back and discussing a film I have a weird affinity for yeah yeah we talked about this a little bit on on your last episode which i also just want to mention um uh uh you are now the second guest that i've had that has completed uh has talked about all four acting categories oh no way yeah wait did i do a best actor oh yeah yeah Yeah. one to five yeah and then Supporting lead. Oh yeah, yes. Oh. He's starting off uh, a supporting actress, Brenda Blethyn, in Little Voice, and mm-hmm. then uh, Leslie Caron in The L Shaped Room for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate, as we mentioned for Best Actor, and now here we are talking Best Supporting Actor 2017. You've uh, wow. you've closed the loop. Only the second <gasps> one so far. Who is the other person? Uh, it only happened a couple weeks ago. Kristoff. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, returning guest Kristoff has has just completed the loop a couple episodes before you so just barely oh. beat you out but uh uh That's just right. the punch i'll be happy with second i didn't even know i'd done that so fantastic yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i obviously finished it a long time ago but oh, yeah that doesn't count um uh, yeah so tell me a little bit i mean i know we talked about it on the last episode but uh tell me about like your history with this movie and, and why what sort of draws you to it yeah so funnily enough I was sort of, I I honestly think I was drawn into this film as soon as I saw the first trailer. And of course, the first trailer had um, the, you know, man who should not be named, but we will, Kevin Spacey as John Paul Getty. And he's such a, well, interesting part of this film in that he's not even a part of it. But um, I saw that trailer and I'm a fan of a good trailer. And it's a good trailer. I rewatched it. It is, isn't it? It's the music. It's the editing. Yeah. Yeah, that it's zombie kind of... song really does pull it together. It's because yeah. it's it's like it's not just using the song. It's like chopping it up a little bit and having yes. the like refrain of the 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 lyrics sort of echoing throughout over yeah. the instrumental. It's really well done. Yeah, it, I, whoever edits um, Ridley Scott's trailers, at least this and House of Gucci trailers, yeah, just does an amazing job. Um, so I saw this trailer and I thought, wow. And also the the first trailer really really spotlights. It's like you know, Michelle Williams, dun, 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 uh, Mark Wahlberg, dun, 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 dun. And then it's like John Paul Getty or like Kevin Spacey is John Paul Getty. And then it's like the first reveal and you're like, wow, 
this is they were clearly like setting this up to be Kevin Spacey wins his third Oscar after yeah. only being nominated twice, winning both times, having his whole House of Cards revival. Um, and it was like this big, I was like, wow. And then, of course, all of the allegations come out. Kevin Spacey gets, for lack of a better word, cancelled. Well, that's probably the shortest way of saying it. We all know what happened with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And um, then it's just, and then they re-released a trailer that had Christopher Plummer in. They announced Christopher Plummer's in it. They apparently, the second trailer, I might have got this muddled, um, came out the first day they'd filmed new footage or like new the footage of Christopher Plummer was released the first day he shot it. That's how like quick yeah. the turnaround was. And then I was just so like, oh my goodness, what's this film going to be? Um, are you going to be able to see any bits where Kevin Spacey's in it? I was just hooked from those trailers, the editing, the controversy. I saw it in cinemas. I liked it so much that I told all my friends and then they all came with me to see it again. So I saw it twice <laughs> in cinema, which is not something I really do with any films. Like I did it with The Dark Knight Rises. I did it with All the Money in the World. I did it with worst person in the world. I think that's that's it. Films with the word world in them and Batman. So yeah. <laughs> I and then I was like, go Christopher Plummer. Like he became the symbol of sort of Hollywood, it's kind of Hollywood magic in a weird in that they filmed it already quickly again, but then also he was so old and I like old people. And and then he got the nomination. <laughs> I was like, woo! I didn't want him to win, but I was like, that's such a cool track record from like kevin spacey probably winning to like the guy who replaced him being so good he got a nomination yeah yeah there's a like that cliff notes version of the story of this movie and that like that's only dipping into one of like the major controversies around this movie Mm because there's a whole other one we're gonna get into like the story of this movie is arguably more interesting than the actual movie itself and i liked the movie i, I yeah. there was some good stuff in it. I, I did had a good time with it uh but just th- the amount of stuff to talk about with this movie the amount of angles we can get at this movie this performance this actor the oscars campaign of it all just there's there's a lot to talk about and i imagine yeah. we're going to be talking about a lot of that on this episode So we are talking about All the Money in the World from 2017, directed by Ridley Scott, written by David Scarpa, based on Painfully Rich, The Outrageous Fortunes and Misfortunes of the Heirs of J. Paul Getty by John Pearson. Stars Michelle Williams, Christopher Plummer, Mark Wahlberg, Romaine Dury, Timothy Hutton, Charlie Plummer, No Relation, Andrew Buchan, uh, Marco Leonardi, and for about two seconds of a wide shot, Kevin Spacey, uh, who is still in this movie. For a shot that they couldn't reshoot because it was too expensive. Yeah. Uh, it premiered December 18th, 2017, only 10 days after it was initially supposed to be released. Wow. Uh, and got the wide release on Christmas, which was only three days after what the wide release was supposed to be. So, like, the turnaround on this movie, which, by the way, like, was only announced that it was in pre-production, like, March of 2017. Mm-hmm. They hadn't started yeah. shooting until May. Like, Ridley Scott makes his movies really quickly. And this is in a year where he had another movie that had already come out earlier this year with uh, Alien Covenant. Like, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, this is one of the Ridley Scott two for years. Uh, yeah, there's... This movie was already in quick turnaround mm. from the get-go. And so you can kind of see how they're able to be like, oh, we'll just reshoot eight days of footage with a whole new actor and uh, uh, completely reshape 
what the movie is even kind of about with just this new performance. Like, I don't want to get too much into comparing Plummer's performance just against the hypothetical Spacey performance, but like, Mm. a lot of my notes of what makes this performance work are kind of in comparison to like, oh, well, this is, you know, a net positive for this movie because Spacey's performance by some of the accounts of what he he was doing and also just like the brief bits you get in the trailer and the mm. general Kevin Spacey vibe, especially at this point in time, like the performance he would have given in this role does not suit what the movie is trying to say about J. Paul Getty as a character. No. Yeah. Was this the first time you watching it today or were you yes. re-watching it? Yeah, this okay. was my, my I, I did not get around to it at the time and just like didn't have a specific reason to visit it. And then when I started this project, it became like, well, I'll watch it when I do the episode on it, as has been the yeah. case with a lot of movies on here that people are like, I'm surprised you hadn't seen this before. It gets to a point where I'm like, I'll I'll save it till I do the episode and then you get stuff like this. I don't know. That makes um, sense. Because not many people did see it. Something yeah. that's only dawned on me since it was actually spoken about, I think, on Blank Check this last episode, is they mentioned that it didn't do that well. Um, yeah. Or maybe I read it somewhere else. Had no idea about that, that it basically didn't make back its... Or it just made back its... I think it had a... Bu- according to Wikipedia, it had like a budget of $50 million and it yeah. made $57 million, Yeah, so... Which is they- like... About uh, as much profit as Mark Wahlberg's paycheck to highlight some of that. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think with the, um, also with the quick turnaround, which we touched on is these are 80, what, an 80 year old director and a 86 year old actor doing it so quickly. I think that's just something to mention. Yeah. Oh, just, just how did they do it? But they did it. They did, and it's a better movie for it. Like, yeah. A- again, I I don't want to be. I mean, I kind of do want to com- just compare and contrast a hypothetical performance that we've seen, like mm. maybe six seconds of actual footage of with Kevin Spacey, but like it would have been a bad performance. We we can agree with about that, it w- right? It would have like, been Frank Underwood in a wig, and like yes. when you see and the in and in. Very bad makeup. Very the the, well, the close up shot of him at the end of that trailer, he looks like a muppet. He looks like it <laughs> just like a. He does like Statler Waldorf kind yeah. of melting ham face. Yeah, he. Well, the bizarre thing I think um, about that first trailer, which is kind of gripping, is it's it's the classic. You know, you get a critically acclaimed actor going in lots of prosthetics, play someone in this case a lot older who doesn't look that much like the actor. But he doesn't even look that much like John Paul Getty the third yeah. or whoever. Like that's the bizarre thing. He doesn't look like Kevin Spacey. He doesn't look like the person he's playing. Christopher Plummer looks a lot more like him. And yeah. and Donald Sutherland, who played him in the TV show, looks even more like him, I think. And yeah. they say that they rushed this, uh, you know, like free production because that TV show was like really, really close to coming out. Um, hence what pushed um, the production on this. And no one ever talks about trust, So, which yeah. is the Donald Sutherland one. Yeah. It came up uh, when I was doing research on this because I was trying to look up the real guy that Mark Wahlberg plays in this. The, um, oh, the yeah, Fletcher Chase. Chase. Yeah. Yes, yeah. When, and when you look up that guy's name, because he was like a CIA operative that was like a personal hire of Getty, it's not like there's going to be a lot of public photos of him. Um, mm. But 
every single Google image result is just a picture of Brendan Fraser. And like every article is like, Brendan Fraser in this show, playing the character that Mark Wahlberg played. Like that's the most reference, because like we'll talk about Wahlberg later briefly, because there's not a lot of Wahlberg to talk about. Um, No. I mean, he's almost so... I don't know what the right word is, unremarkable in this film, but I genuinely forget he's in it. Yeah. I totally forget he's in it until I'm either watching it or if you had to say, put a gun to my head and name every Mark Wahlberg film. This I've wouldn't seen, come up. This, yeah. It wouldn't. No, because he's, he's wallpaper. He's, he's, he's no, like no pun intended. He's wallpaper, wallpaper in this movie. Right? Yeah. And yet he was ridiculously paid and oh we'll get into recasting. it we'll get yep. into it okay. okay but but before that let's talk about christopher Plummer here uh as as j paul getty as an actual 80 something year old man uh he's really good in this i've really liked this performance i mean have you ever seen christopher Plummer give a bad performance that's a fair point i can't think of any off the top of my head i doubt there are all that many no, but, I mean, it's one of those things where I did question on the third time, like, is he great or is he just Christopher Plummer? Like, I could, I think there's I mean? some really good stuff in here that's like, okay, that's clearly him doing something with this role. And like, we're not going to pretend that this Oscar nomination was exclusively on the back of he gives such an undeniable performance. Like, mm-hmm. so much of it is here's an Oscar nomination for not being Kevin Spacey and for like... Yeah putting in the work on such a quick turnaround. Like, I think the the decision to replace Plummer uh, here, I wrote it down, happened on November 8th. So that's okay. like 40 days before the movie premieres. <laughs> he only does eight days of work. He, he He's like shooting for eight days and then he's out of there. Uh, but like, they hadn't even specifically decided to cast Plummer until just over a month before people saw the movie. So like, it is like when we say quick turnaround, it is quick turnaround on this this performance that like he because he had to prepare for it too. It's not just like yeah. you're getting cast on November eighth, you're coming in on the ninth, and like he had been Ridley Scott's first choice. And that's what well he said both things, hasn't he? Yeah, I think because before you know they had to cut Spacey, you're not just gonna say. Like, oh, well, we wanted this other person, but the studios made me cast Kevin Spacey, uh, which is apparently supposedly the the truth. Although I say that, but then I also say in the movie that we got in the timeline that we got, Ridley Scott did also say that he wanted Natalie Portman to got yeah. Michelle Williams instead. So yeah. uh, I don't know. But yeah, supposedly uh, that because he had wanted Plummer before they the studios made him quote unquote cast Kevin Spacey Plummer had seen the script before and had like read through it and read through the character so it wasn't a completely blind casting of like oh well go in with no uh, expectations memorize yeah. your lines and so like he had a familiarity with the script and the characterization ahead of time so mm. at least there was that to to help him like it wasn't such quick turnaround i'm I'm gonna not say quick turnaround as as often because like at a certain point the phrase gets a uh repetitive but Mm. he had some level of of familiarity with the character but still going into this like it's still i'm i'm trying not to say quick turnaround um what what am i trying to say i'll I'll cut around this Uh, fast 
It's still impressive efficient. that he was able. Yeah, still, yeah, it's still impressive that he was able to pull out this performance uh, that feels so, so real and so like like a fully. Uh, 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 I. What am I? A fully realized version of what this particular depiction of Getty is going to be. Uh, yeah. Because, like, from some of the accounts I read, Spacey kind of just played him as old miserly monster who gets mm. his way and is angry and bitter and just like, like a, a reserved Scrooge, Mr. Burns type that like hoards all his money and doesn't have these emotional connections and is just completely cut off. Hmm. And Plummer isn't playing that. He's playing a more warm and complex character that is slowly, gradually, you know, we see more of the 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 darker side of him and the more chilling, calculating side that ends up turning into more of a monster as things go on and as more sides to him are revealed. And then he has a sort of like pseudo-redemption near the end where he's... Hmm. Not really a redemption, but like, like a, he, he's he's vulnerable, a vulnerable, yeah, a vulnerability, display. yeah, exactly. Like there, there are more layers to this character that uh, the seeds are sown earlier on in the movie for him to be this warm, charming old bastard. That yes, yeah. I think the wild thing as well is it was so Kevin Spacey had shot. Apparently, reportedly, had shot his scenes in ten days, and Plummer shot his in eight days. But it's like on paper, you may, or maybe even when I was thinking back and you know remembering the last time I saw it, which was in cinemas, um, thinking, "Oh right, you know, you get Christopher Plummer in for eight days. You maybe do a scene a day of him, in, you know, in the gardens, in his study." in Rome you know like you just saw but actually he is kind of throughout the entire film they cut back to him there's a there's maybe a half hour period where they don't cut back to him much yeah but um there are a lot of different scenes there's like it basically opens with him in different timelines or like different times different ages different places and that's a lot of plumber all at once you know with weird dyed hair um he did 22 scenes in eight days. So some of them are like him pushing a button to launch a ship. And then another one is like him and Mark Wahlberg having an argument. Yeah. Um, so some are longer than others, but still 22 scenes in eight days is more than three a day. So to, that puts into perspective that he wasn't just, he was charting like the not only emotional life of a man, but like his actual life from say age, I don't know what he's meant to be in the desert, like 50. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Up until kind of his death, it's implied. Like I'm pretty sure at the end he's having some kind of stroke, but he could be having some kind of old night terror kind of convenient for the plot. Um, I don't know how much of that was actually true. I don't think that's his actual. How much of this film is. Yeah, that's that's fair. There's, There's a lot of artistic liberties taken with this. Yeah. Usually films say at the top, like, oh, you know, some events in this film inspired by inspired by real life some things are invented it just slips in the end it like gives you the like this is what happened to the gettys also some things were made up and then you're like oh okay Um, yeah i almost feel like they should say that at the start um because when you put it at the end i'm like well i have no idea what was real and what wasn't but maybe that's the art of the movies and we should just go along with that because i think it's a quite a good thriller 
anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it 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 serves the story well. Uh, the changes that are made that it it makes it feel more, you know, riveting as a drama and as a thriller that you're following along. Because otherwise, it's just a lot of Mark Wahlberg and the Italian police trying to tell Michelle Williams that she's crazy and and overreacting. And yeah. just a lot of that for two hours. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if anything's a testament to how good Plummer is, I feel like the parts of the film where he's in it or he's nearby are the most interesting. Yes. Yes. Especially his, like, I mean, we talked about Mark Wahlberg being kind of nothing in this movie. His best scenes, Wahlberg's best scenes are his scenes with Plummer. Yeah. Michelle Williams is some of her best moments are her acting off of christopher Plummer, like he brings out the chemistry with his co-stars in this that like a very generous actor that his reactions his react like his very like and that's another thing not to compare specifically to kevin spacey but like christopher Plummer isn't in a ton of prosthetics and so Mm -hmm. he has more control of his face he can react more in a way that like you get that shot of kevin spacey uh, the the one line that he has in the trailer where he says nothing, and it's like his mouth is like so it's there's he has no mobility of it because of all of the prosthetic like jowls and wrinkles, yeah, and he has like no expression in his eyes, and he just it it's even on t- like everything else aside the prosthetics on that like on, that that are on Spacey in that trailer are bad enough that it would have been too distracting even to try to pay attention to his acting because you're just yeah. looking at like, why did they make Kevin Spacey look like this? Whereas with Christopher Plummer, he has, you know, you're not paying attention to something like that. And so you can pay attention to like after Mark Wahlberg walks away from their argument at the end where Wahlberg resigns, there's a, a shot where Plummer like goes and stands by the fire and throws something else in the fire and then it like holds on him as he like moves his jaw around and is just like thinking things over. And mm. you can see because the, the the immediate next scene is someone saying, hey, uh, Michelle Williams, he, uh, Getty decided to give you the full ransom and give you custody of your children back. And you can see Plummer like going over that in his head mm. and like just dis- making that decision and deciding like, what he just said changed my perspective on something and it translates into the next scene. It makes the scene, it makes the movie work better because you have an introspection into this, the mind of this crazy man who like wouldn't, uh, like he didn't hire laundry people because it was cheaper for him to wash his clothes himself. And he didn't Mm -hmm. like the detergent at like, at the laundromat like that's an actual thing about j paul getty as a man um that this movie actually like has there's like a scene where he's doing his laundry just hanging it up in the bathroom of this mansion uh like you just get scenes like that you get the the two different like uh uh boardroom negotiations with uh with gail with michelle williams Mm -hmm. where like yeah the divorce and then later the signing the contract about the ransom like the cutaway shots to Plummer looking at first like like someone has finally gotten one over on him and like mm-hmm. kind of helpless with that and then so pleased with himself for like rubbing it in the wounds of his distressed former uh, uh, daughter-in-law. Like mm-hmm. 
he he's really monstrous in that scene in a way that if you get Kevin Spacey in all this makeup, he just looks like Kevin Spacey in all this makeup and you don't get those reactions. And I think that's a, a big part of what makes Plummer just work in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because like he, I think it's that thing you touched upon, like he's pleased with himself and you wouldn't get that with Spacey. I mean, Spacey kind of does it in a maniacal way saying House of Cards. I feel like that's the closest facsimile to yeah. what, how he would have played Getty. I haven't read any reports about how he played him, but you can just kind of glimpse it in the trailer and then infer what he would have done. And yeah, it's Plummer just kind of being like, huh, yeah, you know, like I, I am cheap. Or like when he says that line, that w- the one line you can compare. Yes, exactly. Um, and he goes, nothing. Kind of like, not quite like that, because I'm not. Chris I mean, Plummer. he does. Like, like he's he, kind he of does. Like, yeah. Nothing, you know, like, and you're yeah. like, oh, whereas Kevin Spacey's nothing. And you're like, whoa. Yeah gravitas but actually nothing there is nothing there yeah whereas plumber yeah he's just it's being liberated of all that fake makeup and him actually being that age and having all those crags and like he's just yeah the the face of an aged man and like that that spacey delivery is the exact wrong delivery for what that line is supposed to mean about the character because there's a whole scene early on where uh, uh, Michelle Williams describes some trinket as being priceless. And he has Mm. this whole big speech about how he hates the word priceless because nothing is truly priceless. Everything has a price. It's just a matter of how do you get the person that owns something to put a price on it? And he gives this whole speech about, like, uh, uh, there's things that are invaluable, uh, but there's nothing is truly priceless. And then there's another line uh, from Mark Wahlberg where he's talking about how he's done all these negotiations with uh, people in the Middle East that they have bought oil from and how a price that you put on something, a price that you can get someone to offer up for something, uh, money is never money. Money represents what a person has always wanted and never had. Mm. So for Getty... To not to like specifically not put a price on the life of his grandson, he that like the thing that comes around at the end, the character turn where he has decided to pay up the ransom and also to sign away uh, the the um, the custody of the kids. That's the one thing that she was able to take from him. She was able mm-hmm. to take his family and his legacy, which he never had because he talks about his relationship with his father. Like this character, the arc of J. Paul Getty as a character is him slowly realizing over the course of this this plot that like the one thing that he finds priceless that he wants and has never had is a family and wi- like for spacey to deliver the line is just a flat nothing is just mm. evil rich villain who refuses to pay ransom and that's it that is like i i can't see spacey delivering on what the character is supposed to represent and what the revelation that the character is supposed to have. I can't see him integrating that into what the, 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 the way the character is written in this, what he's supposed to feel and what he's supposed to want. Like it, it's just so flat in that one delivery that the way things sort of turned out that we got this plumber performance is kind of miraculous because it, salvages what this movie could have ended up being yeah and 
a cynical part of me thinks that if Kevin Spacey's allegations hadn't come out for at least a year, would this film have been, would he have got a nomination for it? Would he have won for it? Well, the the cynical part of my mind thinks when I saw that trailer, I remember very distinctly sort of being in my burgeoning Oscar fanaticism and thinking, right, yeah, Spacey's going to go free for free. Like he was riding the crest of that House of Cards wave. He just hosted the Tonys. So he was like seen as this like industry kind of like titan as he was and i was like oh yeah like i mean who am i like i'm a nine i was 19 i think when i saw the trailer obviously and i was like yeah he's gonna win just thinking that before seeing the film eight months away from the oscars or whatever but it felt like we've had a special oh no okay actually i'd say in all categories you do have these wins where you think well there's a lot of prosthetics they're a actor with a lot of buzz and the marketing's very much built around them as this transformative role. Um, I don't know. You had Gary Oldman in the same year That's winning yeah. for, and maybe they're two similar performances. Maybe a different best actor wins if Kevin Spacey ends up playing this character. Cause I feel like Sam Rockwell isn't like a slam dunk winner that we'll get onto, but I do think as you're saying, it's miraculous. And you know how you sometimes think, we're in the bad timeline. Well, it's fairly inconsequential, but I feel like we're in the good timeline with this, where we've got the version that's actually a better film. Um, but there's probably a, a darker timeline where Kevin Spacey won an Oscar for this film and uh, continued his career. It's possible. I mean, I I can't count that out. Mm. It is weird to think about the sliding doors of that, of yeah. if, if this movie, like, because... On top, like, yeah, there's the reaction of, oh, it's Kevin Spacey, this, at this point, lauded actor with this legacy and this career. But from what I remember of when the trailer came out, most of the reactions that I remember seeing were, good God, what did they do to Kevin Spacey's face? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Just like these, this makeup is so distract. Like, it's not even that it's just bad. It's that it's distracting. It is, yeah. I mean, and how much hair he has, like, because you mainly see him yeah. from the back. I might have mentioned this, but if you ever want to go back and rewatch the to the listeners, the the first um, all the money in the world trailer, it's fascinating and it sounds great. But um, yeah, the, he has so much hair, and I'm like, did they had they seen a picture of John Paul Getty, like this 75 year old man that had like basically no hair, and it was yeah. like Christopher Plummer's a bit. I'm like, this is, and there's actually a guy who plays like his butler or someone like groundskeeper in this who kind of looks like that from the back to the point where i was like have you recast someone who looks a bit like him from the back so you can reuse shots with kevin spacey but no no <laughs> that was just another random conspiracy i had yeah but i won't go too much into the wig but the wig you know like actually if it had say in the timeline where it was kevin spacey would it have been a makeup nominee would it be ineligible on this episode would we be we wouldn't be I, doing this i don't know about that because what what okay what were the not the i'm jumping should we, ahead. Get, should what, we try what, and guess i think oh, it's, no, it's got to be shape of water right i don't think it was i don't because <gasps> wow the, uh darkest hour one oh darkest hour one yes, darkest hour yes. One. i think i tanya might have been nominated really or maybe maybe that's just no no it's darkest hour it's um uh victoria and abdul oh yeah yeah did get and then Probably one of the it's this isn't the year of the hundred year old man who climbed out the window and something something, but 
Maybe it is. I'm gonna look Maybe. it up. I'm gonna what is what are the makeup nominees this year? That's wild that Shape of Water didn't get that nomination. Oh, it was Darkest Hour, Victoria and Abdul, and Wonder. Oh, Wonder. The I saw that, from, that. Yeah. 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 That's kind of he's got like a similar kind of look to um yeah. Kevin got- Spacey. In, in yeah, makeup. because the 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 spacey makeup is just so important. It looks like there's like he has a a skin defect. It looks He's got like just such a, a a big face as well. Like it's yes. it's like no one's face has ever looked like that. He has a he has um, a round face and Getty uh, J Paul Getty. You look at him. He's a very thin, long face. It's just yeah. like visually, they're trying to make him look like he has a long face with that makeup. And you just can't do that. It's it's all bone structure. You can't do that externally. You're just adding on. You 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 what you would have to do is like make his face look more concave. And you yeah. can't do that with makeup. It just it I don't know who approved that look. But it's because it's really bad. Yeah, if you're casting a role where they're gonna have to wear prosthetics, you have to look at the actor's face and be like, we've got to cast someone who you could work with makeup and then make them look like the person. But Kevin Spacey was so, I guess the studio wanted him so bad. They were like, ah, who cares? Like, um, it's gonna be Kevin Spacey and you're just gonna have to do whatever you can with it. Like, no, we're not budging on this. And apparently, yeah, that was either, it's it's confusing as to whether Ridley Scott wanted him first or Plummer first. I always thought it was Plummer, but if you look at the like press releases, he's like, oh yeah, Kevin Spacey was my first choice. And then when the reshoots happened, he was like, no, 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 Christopher Plummer was always my first choice. You know, like, what is it, Ridley? You know, I, I know he's Who old, knows? but you know, yeah. he, it turned out well. Anyway. Yeah, there's there's multiple uh, conflicting Ridley Scott stories from this set of like, also with the, with the pay stuff. There's mm. a lot of uh, interviews with Ridley Scott, like, completely removing himself from all that saying he didn't know and who knows um what else about plumber he's he's just so much warmer as a mm. presence especially in the first half in the in the family scenes where he's interacting with his son and his grandkids and uh when he's giving that story about priceless and this this trinket that he haggled the price down from $19 to $11 just because he could like there is a sort of grandfatherly presence while also having a sort of chillingness. That scene ends with him like saying to his son, well, you understand why I was never there for you, right? It was just because I had to, you know, I like business came first. Like, you're fine with that. You you get it. Mm. And like there is that level throughout of him being like still a bit of a bastard even before he has to be a real bastard by the end. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 definitely just brings that I think natural, grand paternal energy that an older actor who I'm guessing had a family and kids. I don't know specifically. I think so. Yeah, but yeah, like he just whereas Kevin Spacey did not have that, and I don't think he was going to bring that to it anyway. But you yeah. know, yeah, it makes him a more complex character than just being Scrooge, and even Scrooge has a bit of dimension to him. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's not going to be that kind of dead-eyed monster that Kevin Spacey was going to be. And yes. again, you, the more you think about it, the more you're like, "Wow, this is this actually is a really good performance." Yeah, um, not not just in comparison to Spacey too. Like, I, I don't want to keep falling into that trap. Like on well, on the merit yeah. of just the performance, like the scene where he takes uh, uh, the John get Paul Getty the third 
mm-hmm. as a kid to the ruins of like Hadrian's ruins and talks about how like, oh, I remember when I was Hadrian and living here and all this stuff and a bit delusional and a bit just like, you know, spinning stories for your grandkids. Like those scenes also would have played really badly with Kevin Spacey because he's, you know, left alone with this child. But also like, I just can't. (laughs) When has Kevin Spacey ever played a heartwarming character in his career? Does F. he? I I haven't seen this, but isn't he heartwarming in Pay It Forward? He's supposed to be, but right. I think one of the big criticisms of that of that movie and that performance was that he was horribly miscast for right. the for the tone of it. Like he's always played slimy bastards. Like back to like yeah. Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, and Swimming with Sharks. Even before he became like Usual Suspects and Seven and american beauty kevin spacey like he's always played like at best corporate douchebag like that is that has been his type and so for for this character who has to have this genuine connection to these grandkids he only barely knows which then in turn makes it so much more maddening when he is is so such a stickler that he's refusing to pay ransom on principle and on on the value of greed like it works better here because uh uh sorry not not spacey because plumber is so flippantly like well i uh i've always said never pay full price for anything to all these reporters asking if he's going to pay the ransom like it has to be that much more chilling in those scenes where he pulls out that side of the character you have to have a more fully realized depiction of getty for this movie to land the punches that it does and i just can't see kevin spacey ever having a a warm relationship like that with a character with any character yeah yeah he would have definitely gone for for the house of cards angle i think not only because he was good at it but because he was so acclaimed for it you know especially yeah. he's chasing that's why the studios Oscar. would have wanted him for this oh yeah exactly um and Plummer, I think it it maybe it's the screenplay and it's also Plummer taps into that idea of to be a good business person, you have to be a bastard, you have to be ruthless. Yeah. But if you want to be a family man, you know, what he does is he's a businessman, uh, even in family matters. And then eventually he 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 sort of remembers that he's so lonely that he needs his family, and then he has all this money and he can pay for it, even if it sets a precedent because he's expended all his other means, but he's done so because he wants to save money and be a businessman. But then the world just becomes so empty and people turn on him and then he realizes he has to forfeit that. But yeah. it's a man who basically destroys his family in the process. So it's it's this sort of anti-capitalist tale, which I feel like many films are and some do better than others. But you know, if you ever hear Ridley Scott talk, he's very much... Um, quite a political left-wing person who even with Alien, you know, Alien is about what Alien... Oh, no, I suppose the first Alien is about, like, blue I mean, both workers. Aliens, because, like, yeah. the, the Ash character in the first one is is that, the Ian Holm robot. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, a corporate drone sent in, and, you know, it's human sacrifices. Well, I'm more thinking of Aliens, which obviously isn't Ridley yes. Scott, where she says, like, you don't see them screwing each other over for 
for a bottom line or whatever like you know like it's about corporations taking advantage of people putting them in the like under risk just to you know make a profit and i feel like ridley scott very much set that up but um yeah i think my favorite scene of plumber which i believe might have been his oscar clip i can't remember but i do remember them making fun of how old he was at the oscars yeah they made a lot of jokes about that which by the way like always funny to me to remember that like Every joke was about Christopher Plummer being so old. And he is the oldest acting nominee, which we'll get to in a second. But of the nominees that night, there were two other nominees that were older than him. Oh. Uh, uh, James Ivory and uh, Agnes Varda were both like oh, a year yeah. older than him. And yeah, yeah, I just thought that was that's always a weird little footnote in all those Christopher Plummer's old jokes. Because uh, there is... were two others older and one of them won. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the other one should have won as well. But yes. um, yes, but my favorite plumber scene, which I'm guessing was the clip, is when Mark Wahlberg says, or he says, like, sorry, so Christopher Plummer says, I simply don't have the money to spare. And then Mark Wahlberg says, How much money would it take for you to be, you know, more comfortable? That's my Mark Wahlberg. Um, and he says, More. And it's just that that, and you're like, Well, more is no amount of money. That's like he will never be comfortable. Yes. And I just love that. That's where he brings in the ruthlessness of just like more. I'm never going to be comfortable. Yeah. There's a, and you're like, there's a few moments throughout where he does that with just a single line reading. There's that one. Yeah. There's the one that is uh, in the spacey trailer where he says nothing like that. Just like yeah. he says it so offhandedly, just like nothing as a, as if like, nothing. as if like he's not even considered it until just now and is just sort of like realizing, oh yeah, I wouldn't pay anything. That's kind of a joke almost. Uh, and yeah. then uh, when when he has decided to pay uh, the ransom and they're in that boardroom and Timothy Hutton slides the, the contract over to Michelle Williams and it comes to light that like he's willing to pay the ransom if she signs over full custody mm. of all her kids to his son who is borderline catatonic with his uh, drug abuse. Mm. Um, and I think Timothy Hutton says something along the lines of like, well, you can think this over and get back to us, uh, ha- take however long you need, sleep on it, get to us later and decide whether or not you want to. And she says something like, well, I can't sleep on it. Th- my son's life is in danger. And he- Plummer just sort of offhandedly goes, there is that. Just yeah. like rubbing yeah. it in the wounds of like, I have designed this specifically to fuck you over because you fucked me over 10 years ago once. And he's just like all but laughing at her with that line. And it's so brutal in a way that if this whole movie has been painting J. Paul Getty as a Kevin Spacey old man monster, that line won't work as well because it's just, oh, he's being a bastard again. Oh, he's you know just thinking of himself this is just infuriating more so than it has been throughout the entire movie but with plumber who has shown a warm side and has shown a genuine affection for his family for him to still take this moment to be such a bastard to her who has like who's grieving her kidnapped child she's not done anything to him specifically in this saga but he's still hurting over the fact that she took full custody uh, of her kids, that he's going to take this moment 
to be a bastard to her. And it's so much more infuriating because you have the layered sort of journey that we've been taking with this character and to see him not have grown is, ah, it's, it's frustrating in a way that is really well done. And Plummer delivers that line with such glee. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. There's maybe it's that we infer upon him as this sort of grandfather project rather onto him as this sort of grandfatherly figure who for, by all accounts is a very or was a very sweet nice man like in his older age i think maybe that we give him that sort of there's that dynamic there of him being a bit vulnerable and misled but gleeful but you're not kind of his, he's not hissable whereas kevin spacey would have gone for that like boomy boomy like whereas yeah you know like christopher Plummer's like well you know i know this character's a bastard but yeah. i'm gonna play him like that but in a way where he's almost enjoying this but in a way where you know it's not gonna deep down inside it's not actually helping him it's just the way he's learned to be and it taps into that idea which they say in the trailer all the time where it's like this is not just about money this is about power or something like that it's about him you know at the end being like well i don't have to do this but i want to get one over on you and he knows that she's emotional and driven to find her son so he'll he'll fuck her over basically yeah in in a way that neither uh, benefits nor hinders the terrorists that kidnapped his grandkids. It is exclusively yeah. for her. It is exclusively yeah. to rub her nose in it. Um, can we, do you have any more to say on Plummer or can we talk about Michelle Williams? I have a, uh, a side thing that I, I uh, sort of hinted at earlier. It's oh, not yeah. really a full game. I didn't uh, <gasps> plan out, you know, clues or anything, but we did say, that Christopher Plummer, uh, at the time and still to this day, is the oldest acting nominee uh, mm. uh, in any category. So I've written out the top 10 oldest acting nominees. Uh, I will say, of the other nine, uh, <laughs> all but one of them are within the past 20 years. Wow, okay. Uh, do you want to just take <gasps> some guesses? I love I love these games. I love when we play these games because no one in real life plays them with me unless I force them to. Um, okay, well, that's interesting. I mean, that shows that over the years, I think people live longer, but, you know, like, I think older actors maybe just retired or, like, the people who were playing, like, 80-year-olds in films in the 60s were actually, like, 40. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I can't... Okay, no, this is going to be a tangent unless I can remember her name. Bella, Bella Bondi? That's Not how it's written Be- out. Do you know who I mean? Yeah, Be- uh, I think it's Beulah Bondi. Yes, yes, yes. She played grandmas and she got two nominations in the 30s. She was like 40. She yeah. lived to like 1986 or something. Yeah, like Angela Lansbury in The Manchurian Candidate is, I think, a couple months younger than Frank Sinatra. Right, yes. Yeah. Y- yes. She's either yeah. younger than him or younger than Lawrence Harvey. She's younger than one of the two men that are supposed She's- to be... Yeah, she was like 46, I think, making that she's movie, if defi- not younger. Yeah, no, she's definitely younger than Sinatra. Sinatra died at 82 in 98, so he was 20. Anyway, no, no, I'm not going to anyway, get into that. Yes. Okay, Oscar, Oscar. Um, right, so older people, I might need some. Is one of them the supporting actress for Resurrection? No. She's, no. I think, when you get down to like number 10, 
there's like five or six actors that were all 82 and the Wikipedia page for list of oldest and youngest Oscar nominated actors lists out how many days old they were as well. Yeah. Like 82 years, so-and-so days. And there's like a bunch of actors that were 82 and fewer days than number 10. Uh, Yeah. But no, she's not on there. Okay. She's not, I don't know why, but because she was the last person born in the 19th century to be nominated for an Oscar. Right. That's that yeah. bit of trivia uh, there. Ava Legallian, I think is That's the actress's name. That's yeah. the one. Queer as well, I think. I think she was oh. a lesbian. Oh, yeah. Unless I'm I'm speaking out of turn there. Um, okay, so one of them. Yeah. Have you heard that? I, I think so. Yeah. I think I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um, one of them is definitely Judy Dench for Belfast. Correct. Right? That is number four. She uh, was 87. 80 oh good for her um okay oh, so plumber of... was plumber was 88 by the way uh okay, for so... this nomination and then i guess he was like 83 for his other one so does he come up again i don't think so actually he maybe no. he's just just below the threshold yeah i think he was 80... like 81 81, 81 or 82, okay. somewhere around there yeah okay so we got we got plumber at the top we've got judy dench we've got june squib Yes, June Squibb in Nebraska was 84. She, she is number seven on this list. Number seven. Okay. Are we Hopkins for the father? Yep. 83. He's number nine and the oldest winner. Um, yes. So he's oh. the only the only winner on this list. That's a, okay. That helps me a little bit. Um, is Ruby D one of them? Yep. Ruby D uh, for oh. American Gangster was 85. She's wow. number six. Okay. Okay, okay. Old people from the last 20 years. Old people, old people. Maggie Smith hasn't been nominated in a while. I'm just thinking of really old people now. You might have to start giving me some hints now, otherwise I don't, okay. don't want to get dead air, you know. Uh, number two is a very recent nominee. Oh, very, as in like... Ver- as in very recent. recent, yes, as in last year. i tell you what's... Oh, last year. As in this this most recent Oscars there. This year, this year. Yes. The weird thing is, as soon as the Oscars happen, yeah. I put it out of my head and I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. So really old from the... Lo- oh, who even won? Oh, Bre- Brendan Fraser won. Um, oh, okay. Hang on. Let me work out which category it's in. I'm just going to... Brendan Fraser, Austin Butler. Definitely not Austin Butler. Um, which... Ca- oh, no. Oh, that's actress. Yeah, no. This was really famous when it happened. Really old. Uh, it's someone that uh, had been nominated before, but not for a very long time. Oh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch for yes. the Fablemans is 87. So he's number three? Number two. Num- number, two. number two. Number two. Yes, because he took the place. Actually, I was thinking of Judd Hirsch earlier because he took the place of Plummer at the last ceremony as in being the butt of the old jokes. Yes. They're very much the same, like cut to him in the audience being like, what can you do? I'm old. You know, and they, yeah, they take it well. I'm an old yeah. man. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if it was, when it gets like Tommy Lee Jones or something in 10 years, he's just going to like, you know, blank face, just giving them nothing. Yeah. Um, which will be funny. Um, yes, exactly. Okay. So number three is the only one uh, on this list that's not from this century. Uh, <gasps> oh. But it is still in more recent memory than say a Beulah Bondi or even an Angela Lansbury in the Manchurian Candidate, so it's it's not too far off. Mm. Oh, is it Gloria Stewart? It is Gloria Stewart in Titanic, who was also eighty-seven. Yes. How many have I got so far? Six. Uh, you have three left. 
because Plummer oh. was number one. So uh, okay, so you've, okay. You've, you have seven of the ten. Uh, nice. So okay. number five on the list, who was also eighty-five. Um, let's see, this is someone who passed away not too uh, not too far off. Oh, is it Emmanuel yes. Riva? Emmanuel Riva in Amor was uh, also 85. Okay, two more. One of them's still alive. Number eight is still alive. Uh, This is a supporting actor nominee. uh, (gasps) Oscar Oscar winner. Multi-Oscar nominee. Uh, This is a nomination that I'm going to be talking about on my show eventually. Oh, 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 oh. I think I know what it is. Is it Robert Duvall? It's Robert Duvall in The Judge the judge who was also um, 84 and number 10 uh i almost just said the name instead of giving a hint i almost just read the name off um oh uh, uh died the same week as christopher Plummer. <gasps> oh oh it was uh Plummer and uh um uh cloris leachman cloris i was gonna say cloris and leachman. uh uh cicely tyson and oh. this person all died within like a four or five day span oh no and they were all like the 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 thing i remember noting about that is like it was the four of them uh and i made a joke that it was like cloris leachman was like 96 cicely tyson was 98 this person was 90 something and uh a sprightly young 92 year old (laughs) christopher Plummer. oh so it's someone who lived a long time as in they were in there oh they were in their is it Hal Holbrook? No. Hal Holbrook, yes. <gasps> uh, Into the oh. Wild was 82. I love him in that film. That's a film I saw a very long time ago, but I just remember being like, this guy's great. And then finding out he got an Oscar nomination, just being like, that that makes so much sense. Yeah. I still haven't seen that one, but I love whenever Hal Holbrook pops up in things. Like he has a like a one or two episode stint on the Sopranos that I remember really liking. Oh. When when like Tony's in the hospital. And Hal Holbrook is like in the next hospital room over and he's this like oh. retired teacher or something, I think. Oh. I could be misremembering that, but he's like having a lot of fun in that. I'd love me some Hal Holbrook. He's he good. I haven't seen him stuff. in many things, but that yeah. Lincoln and yes. all the president's men is enough. I'm like, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else about Plummer after that uh, little detour there? Or do we want to talk about the rest of this movie? Well, Plummer, well, quick note on Plummer. I think he has given a career of um, incredible performances and he gave a lot of great supporting performances that didn't ever get nominated. So I think when people lament, say, him getting a nomination this year when other people could have taken a spot for a relatively unremarkable film and he's fine, he's, I'd say he's really good. Yeah. But um, two films that I think he should have been nominated for. Um, uh, Inside Daisy Clover. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I'm aware of it. Are you, do you get to cover it for this? or does it I don't think so. It, it's Ruth Gordon and something Ruth. else, because I remember being mm. kind of sad that I don't get to talk about Ruth Gordon. Who, a legend, but um, he's so good in it. Like It's got quite a few really good performances, like Natalie Wood, Robert Redford. It's like his first major got film. three nominations wow wow uh, and also got an art decoration and a costume design nomination okay it's edith head it's edith head yeah um, that makes sense um also when someone gonna make an edith head biopic that's one where i'm right? like yeah that that could win an oscar i just talked about her uh last week to listeners this week to recorders um uh oh. with 
Barefoot in the Park, which was the movie, one of the movies she designed the first year that she didn't get an Oscar nomination. Because <gasps> uh, the category oh. was started in like 1948. And then it took to 1967 67. for there to be a year that she didn't get an Oscar nomination. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a film I've totally forgotten. But with Robert Redford. But anyway, Christopher Plummer's yes. incredible in it. He's also incredible in The Insider, which got an acting yes. nomination. And like, so it's like making up for lost time. And the, the nomination he gets for The Last Station is like, what the hell is that? But, you know, that's like a best supporting actor year where the winner's so unanimous and like such a steamroller that the nominees end up being like these very odd kind of flim flam nominations where you're like that's kind of fine but what we'll be doing that year matt damon from evictus that would be a weird one to talk about with a uh uh why can't i the lovely bones oh who's (laughs) no one wants to do that yeah no one has picked the lovely bones but i'm kind of uh itching to talk about the lovely bones which i haven't seen would i I do the lovely bones i mean it's a it's a train wreck it's an interesting train wreck but like this in some way. That's also Mark Wahlberg, right? <gasps> it is replacing Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. It all, it all comes back to back. Wahlberg. It all, um, yes. And Christopher Palmer might be in there somewhere. Um, no, he's Wouldn't not. Wouldn't be surprised. But, um, yes. So that was my thing on Christopher Palmer. Christopher Palmer, innocent, underrecognized, love. Yes. Also, like a guy I, when he died, it was like he's he's been working. He was working up until his death. So him dying, even though he's 92 or three. Something like that, yeah. Felt like quite abrupt. I was a bit like, oh, he was just in Knives Out. Like, yeah. he's still acting. And so that, I fi- I miss him. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and shout out to my very first episode of the show uh, where we talked about Beginners, yeah. which he's also incredible in. He's amazing in that. He won for the right film. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I think with that, we can move on to talk about the rest of this movie. Well, you'll be happy to learn that there are some new developments which will enable us to finally help our little Paul. So glad to hear it. My tax attorneys have discovered that uh, while ransom payments are not deductible under the tax code, I could write off the interest if I loan the ransom money to my son. you can take my son's kidnapping as a tax deduction. I'm happy it works out financially for you. So let's start with Michelle Williams, who's like kind of by far the best part of the movie as a whole. Better than Plummer? I would say so, because she has more to do, I think. Like, yeah. Plummer is very good, and it's, it's a very well-done performance. See the first, you know, hour sum of this <laughs> podcast... Uh, but I, I just think like, like Williams has a lot more to do. And some of that is just like, she's playing a grieving mother and that's always going to be stock for good acting. Like that's always, uh, uh, going to lend itself to good acting if you have the right performer. But like, I think she's doing a really good job here, uh, with the material. She's elevating scenes that kind of have no right to be elevated just because a lot of this movie uh, when it's not around Plummer, gets kind of dull except for her. Like, there are dull scenes that she's very good in. Yes. Because she's actually acting. 
yeah, I think a testament to performance is this film, especially in watching it for a third time, something crystallised in that pretty much every scene about the main character, which you could argue is John Paul Getty III, the guy who was kidnapped and this whole plot revolves around, is pretty dull. Like him talking to his kidnappers, him being taken out to Wii, him setting a field on fire, him getting his ear cut off, even the ear cut off. I was like, do you know what? It looks ugly. It's pretty boring. Give me more plumber. Give me more Michelle. And um, the fact that she is so engaging in a, a part that is giving her a lot to work with, but I think could be quite irritating in other people's hands. She just gives it. What does she give it? Because I can't even put my finger on it. But I'm like, as soon as she came on screen, I was like, oh, yes. Like, I get to watch Michelle Williams, like, just doing stuff. And, like, she does it well. She's doing the Michelle Williams 20th century uh, housewife putting on a face. Especially in the first half. Like, which is kind of, and I guess uh, that's very different, but. Yeah, but, like, also Brokeback Mountain, in a way, kind of playing the, the, like, the, a wife with a sad life who's acting happy but sometimes the cracks show through and you see her inner life as a woman and she does a very good job of that like in general as an actress not not like the 20th century thing is just like a sort of like isn't it weird how often she does this like even blue valentine also another uh previous episode of this show is incredible her performance in that is so good at just like getting into the depths of this woman and in a same way in a similar way here she's like exploring this character that could like this movie could have easily centered around either just the kid or just the mark Wahlberg cia guy and like Mm. make it a thriller but like to center this woman and her struggle more so with getty as a person than with the actual uh, terrorists like really shows I mean, it, it really gives her the opportunity to display some excuse me uh, to, to display some of her talents really expertly and I just think she's she's a she's like half firecracker half uh, uh, like vase teetering on the edge of a table and she's either going Ooh. to blow up or she's going to fall apart. And it's it's every scene is just waiting to see which side of her we're going to see. And like they prolong that throughout the movie. It takes a while for this this sort of simmering character to really shine and to really come out in full. And very few actresses, especially modern actresses, embody that as well as Michelle Williams can. And carry that as well as she does throughout a character yeah she's she's fierce she's i like that vase teetering on the edge because i think she's sort of like a vase but she's made she's made of strong stuff and she does come oh, up yes. against yeah you know uh john paul getty and she's very headstrong but not in a cocky way she's she's just very driven she's very pragmatic and passionate and there are parts of the film that you do if you take a step back you're like wait i don't really understand why this michelle williams version of gail um would be with jean paul getty the second i suppose um but there are scenes where especially with the children in it and when she's with paul or uh, do they call him paul the grandson yes yes they're calling him paul 
Paolo when they Paolo. go after him. Which, yeah. Uh, side note: I wrote down in my notes it's a really stupid joke, but he's uh walking through Italy and one of them says, "What's your name?" and I'm like, "What is his name going to be? Spaghetti?" Because uh, because his, yeah. his last name's Getty and because because they're in Italy anyway. Sorry, that was a stupid joke. Carry on no, your thing. No, I mean I mean that first scene <laughs> is like something that I always find funny is like this is such a cliche of Italy like. I bet Italian people must hate this, but um, also it's it's quite like a long tracking shot through Rome or what is meant to be Rome. And you're like, I, I don't know why I was just in the mindset of like them having to do the reshoots. And I was thinking that's actually quite impressive that they've done this long tracking shot through Rome in the 70s. But then they pull, they get him by like pulling up and going, "Hey, you Paolo." He's like, "Yeah, sure, right. Get in the get in the um, camper van." Which, when you watch it for a third time, you're like, "Really? You're gonna fall for that?" Like someone just being like, "Hey, over here, Gordon." Like you're like, "Oh yeah, this seems normal." Um, and he's sixteen. Like I, I got kidnapped. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Whoopsie. Mama maybe, mia. <laughs> maybe I wanted this, which the film like kind of touches upon, but apparently trust goes into more that like he'd planned to get himself kidnapped. And then someone else had kind of taken the idea and taken it too far. And, but then that had incurred a load of legal trouble with the living Gettys. So almost good that they didn't reference that in this film. Um, But yeah, Michelle Williams, mother, um, she's great. And she is mother. She is mother. Yeah. yeah, She's just, and she got a golden globe nomination, didn't she? I remember that in the year when best actress at the Oscars was, pretty strong so it wasn't like i think in a weaker year she could have got through like a, a my week with marilyn style yeah I mean, she was she was probably second or third place for that one weirdly but um you know you could see in another year her getting a nomination for this at the oscars she is great and of course she only got what is it one thousand pounds one thousand dollars yeah to, so, um, okay so shoots. i'm the thing that really that i had misremembered about that is like the numbers that I remember going around and I remember paying attention to, like half paying attention, like I did uh, the numbers that I remember and the numbers that are separate from the reshoots, the or- original uh, uh, paycheck that the two of them got, Mark Wahlberg was paid $5 million to make this movie before reshoots. Michelle Williams was paid $625,000. And she's more of a lead of this movie than he is. She, oh yeah, yeah. Like she got paid. Uh, what is what is the six twenty five into f- into f- well, it's about eight or nine, right? Yes. Oh, he got paid exactly eight times more than she did. Uh, just like to make the movie already, and yeah. so like that's already a a lot. And that's something that came out later with the whole uh, uh, Time's Up story, which I think that may have come out after the uh, the reshoot talk, because the, the big story there was that when the Spacey allegations came out and they decided to do these reshoots, the first person they came to was Michelle Williams before Ridley Scott, before anyone else. They came to her first and she agreed to, she offered to do it for free. Uh, and... Uh, they ended up taking the $80 per DM thing because that's like the, it's the minimum that they have to pay you. Like yes. She she couldn't legally do it for free. And so she took the minimum that she could, which is the $80 per DM because it wasn't about her. It wasn't about like, oh, well, pay me, like 
it's there there's a lot of things to consider there and she made that decision and that was her personal decision and from what i read and take this with a grain of salt it was less mark Wahlberg the man specifically and more his agents uh uh using their like strong arming their way into a paycheck for the the reshoots because uh Wahlberg in his contract has uh or at least on this had approval of co-stars and so the stipulation was that he refused to do reshoots uh or his agents refused for him or whatever uh with plumber uh refused Mm -hmm. to approve plumber as a Mm co-star unless he got one and a half million dollars uh for the reshoots for 10 days of work um and that's that story and that obviously broke and had implications and Wahlberg ended up donating that two times up. Uh, But still that was just one of the many snowballing effects of this movie in the culture at the time. And it's worth bringing up that that is the way things went. Supposedly uh, Ridley Scott didn't know anything about all that. And like had some quote where he said that they were both doing it for free because he was under the implication that they were both doing it for free. And all the money stuff got handled with agents and producers behind his back. Uh, Believe that or don't. That's what he's said. But Mm. that's something worth noting is that that happened on this movie as well as all the Kevin Spacey stuff. Yeah. The wild thing is not to be Mr. Obvious here, but I'd never noticed that Wahlberg played hardball and got more money. Bit, bit like John Paul Getty a um, bit in a like film John. called All the Money in the World. He asked yeah. for a lot more money. I've never yeah. actually noticed the irony of that. Um, yeah, I, I sent and... you a, a clip when I was watching the movie. There's a bit where they're talking about the ransom uh, and Wahlberg says something to uh, Williams's character of like, uh, the difference between us is like $17 million and $0. And I sent it to you with like, this wasn't Wahlberg talk. Like this isn't a line in the script. This was just him bragging about his paycheck, Uh, which also when I wrote that down, I was trying to uh, just like, instead of having to write out their names in full, I just wrote out their initials and didn't realize until that moment that they're both MW. Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams. Like I wrote down their initials and then realized this doesn't specify which of them is which. (laughs) These are the same letters. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, yeah, I think the interesting part about the reshoots, which is why I sent you the trailer, because if if listeners, if you Google or YouTube, um, shot, I'll, I'll, I'll like, put it in the description as well. Nice. I'll put this video, just, yeah. yeah, just watch the shot for shot of the trailers. Someone's like cut the actual footage next to the original trailer with Kevin Spacey. The bizarre thing is there's even a scene i mean it's the scene we've referenced so many times the um nothing scene where kevin spacey goes nothing um and he's giving nothing um and even that scene the michelle williams reaction she's just watching this on a tv while she's holding a telephone a 70s telephone to her head um that's different and i'm like they even reshot scenes where chris kevin spacey was on a tv yeah i was just like oh that's that's weird i guess they had like a different um, thing to reference. So maybe he gave a longer press conference in the Kevin Spacey one and then it didn't match. But I was like, oh, that's even weird that there's maybe footage in this film that you could have used, say, like Mark Wahlberg reacting to Kevin Spacey if it's just a one shot of him, but they actually 
don't use any of the footage almost like it's tainted and they were just like yeah let's start on you let's spend 10 million dollars 1.5 of that being for mark Wahlberg on these reshoots and you've got to imagine a lot of that's going into obviously hiring all the crew getting all the locations again doing it really really quickly yeah 10 million dollars like on top of a 40 million dollar budget is I mean, that's at one point the ransom for John Paul Getty. Yeah. The third. It's, it gets really, it was kind of held to ransom this film and then they had to pay Mark Wahlberg and it does not reflect well on him. But to be honest, there's a lot of bad things about Mark Wahlberg. There, yeah, there, most are, people don't there care. are a few things that reflect well on Mark Wahlberg generally. Yeah. Uh, and one of those few things is not the performance in this movie because no. he is here and here. in the movie. He's, he's not bad he's, he's, just, he's not just not needed he's he's yeah. giving a mark Wahlberg performance in a drama which i don't know it's not using him in a clever way like the departed and it's not one of it's his kind of comedies no i mean i'm not charmed but he's like he's slick yeah like, he's, well, he's just not he's just he's just like there's a point like his he gets introduced doing negotiations with someone at some getty oil plant in the middle east and he has some line where he's like uh well we could you could go to our competitors and they're going to do something 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 kidding aside though it would do really well and like i wrote down in my notes he says kidding aside and the delivery of the line before that gives no indication that he's kidding it just seems like mark Wahlberg just saying words and reading a line off the script and like no inflection he's like by the end of the movie, when Michelle Williams has to be like, oh, stay with us, though. We feel like your family. You've like helped us through all this much. Like, in at what point in this movie? And I get like there are a, a lot of this movie is the two of them working together and uh, uh, Wahlberg's character slowly like becoming disillusioned with his employer, Getty, mm-hmm. and like deciding to help out this woman and like. But at no point do I feel a connection between the two of them as anything more than just like associates in this kidnapping case. Like, yeah, there's n- there's nothing between them. Not that the movie's implying that there's some sort of romantic, but like there's just no chemistry between people. No, exactly. I mean, that scene at the oh, that particular line of dialogue at the end where she's like. Well, I'm kind of, I mean, there's a weird scene with Timothy Hutton where he's like, well, someone needs to take over the business and you're, you know, here. Yeah. And the next scene, she's like in the house with folded arms, like, well, Chase, you you should stick around because we consider you family. And you're like, what? Like, really? Him? But, yeah. It's know. a payoff with no build up. Yeah. And that's another, well, it's pretty much the last scene, isn't it? And they're looking at the bust of, John Paul Getty, which yeah. is the poster for the, or one of the posters for the film, which is just a bust of John Paul Getty, I think the real guy. But then in the trailer for the original, you see the bust and it's of Kevin Spacey. And then obviously in the film, it's now a bust of Christopher Plummer. Yeah, that's another thing they had to commission in reshoots is they had to have someone make a bust of Christopher Plummer's face. Or do you think it's CGI? I don't think it looks. It looks good. But then, yeah. like, you know, that shot. I, I feel like it would, it would be, be more cheaper. difficult. It would, yeah, it would be cheaper to just make the thing than to like construct a digital hand, like to make it look handcrafted. Cause there's like, div- it, there's divots in this bust. It doesn't look flat and, and fakey. 
like there's real work put into that to make it look physical and if it isn't physically there they spent way too much of their reshoot budget on a five second shot of a bust of christopher Plummer. i but the thing is i genuinely wonder if they did because there's the scene i think the scene where the reshoots are the most obvious and it's very quick and it's just if you've seen the trailers but it's where john paul getty in the first five minutes is getting off a train in saudi arabia yes. and there's like a shot from the side from far away that is kevin spacey but it's like two sec oh not even a second um, you glimpse it, you can hardly... You, you can really only tell it. if you're really looking for it and really looking for specifically the shape of the the wig. The, like the, the wig. The, you can the, see horse, the, wig. the horseshoe wig on the back of his head. That's that's how you uh, can tell it's not Plummer. Yes. And then when it cuts to like Plummer and he's... It's a weird shot where I'm like, I really don't know why they kept this in the film. Like The lighting is really weird. The lighting bizarre. is super stylized. It's like they've kind of got the footage of kevin spacey i guess in maybe in a desert maybe not but then they've like green screened christopher Plummer over kevin spacey and the, I, yeah, yeah the, the when you look at weird. the side by side in the video that you mentioned the the background extras are clear it's clearly a new shot it's clearly not think? yeah when you look at the the side by side there it's not these are the exact same shot but one of them just has Plummer edited in it might be a different pickup that they got in the original take and they've still put plumber in because the lighting does look weird right but it's yeah. not the exact same one that's in that trailer at least it's not but like it's almost like they've put him in 10 seconds before or 10 seconds after the kevin yeah. spacey clip because all be. the actors like look exactly the same and they're lit the same but yeah. then christopher Plummer looks like he's been added into like a montage of old films or something and he's got yeah. really weird dyed hair and you're like whoa like that that looks weird but um yeah that part is jarring I can't remember. Oh, well, that I bet that cost a lot of money to do because it but, looks but, all right, but it doesn't look good. But the difference between that is that you're still filming Christopher Plummer elsewhere and digitally inserting him. Yeah. Uh, don't say digitally inserting Christopher Plummer. That sounds like <laughs> yeah, but, fingering yeah. him. <laughs> but in a digital world, it's fine. Yeah, but That's what the digitally like fingers. Like... I think you said it. You, I, I said it, it, but I still... Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> But no, Sorry. but um, no, but I mean, um, we do have to remember this is the man. Ridley this is Scott, Ridley Scott, the yeah. Who, the man who digitally resurrected um, Oliver, Oliver Reed, Reed yeah. for like one million dollars for like one scene. You know, like it just made me. It reminded me of that, just being like, this man is kind of a wizard, and I feel like we yes. don't. Obviously, it's not him, but he's like he's made the decision to do that rather than just be like, let's not do this scene. He it's has like, a vision. What if we spent like a million dollars just to get Ke um, Christopher Plummer coming off the train? Because that's important. And you're like, if I would, if I were you, I'd just cut it and just do something else, or show yeah. from the back or something, or from far away. But he's like, we really need to see him take the sunglasses off in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Um, uh, I've gone back was... onto Plummer now. Sorry, we were talking no, about I the mean, rest of the we're film. Still, we're talking about Ridley Scott. We can talk about. Let's talk about Ridley Scott's career. Uh, oh, one of yeah. the not rare because it happens and has happened especially recently but one of uh, those directors who has won best picture but not best director like he himself doesn't have an actual Oscar because I he don't think not. he was not a producer on Gladiator um, but, he was not I don't think no. yeah very interesting career just like 
from start to finish and not finish. He's still working oh, he's still regularly. Going. He's 85. He's, still... he's got a movie coming out this year that like will be in the Oscar race one way or another, whether it ends up with Oscar nominations or not. Just the Ridley Scott name is like kind of a black check, a blank check for Oscar buzz. Oh. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? When we were talking about him having his 2013 Tufa, he could have another film out yeah. by the end of the year. Because actually, I heard rumours that the Napoleon film wrapped so quickly, they could have released it in the last cycle. But they were like, well, it's kind we'll of too crowded. Yeah. We'll yeah. hold it. But they could have. Like, it was wrapped and pretty much edited. And they were yeah. like, we'll like, sit on this for a year. For reference, this time, 2017... All the money in the world, uh, I don't think, had started filming until the end of May. Yeah. So, like, he could still start a movie filming in a month and then several months from now have another actor from that cast be accused of sexual assault and then have to re- do reshoots on that and still theoretically get and it still out. Get out. And yeah, still get out. Like, well, of course, he's doing Gladiator next, right? Is yes, he he's doing, doing Gladiator. He's attached as a producer, I think, to Gladiator 2, at the very least. I don't know if he's directing or not. uh, I feel like he might be. He might be. I don't think they've said who's directing if it's not him. Yes, that's true. Um, Also worth noting, this is like, this movie is one, along with Alien Covenant, uh, are the follow-ups to The Martian, which was like his big welcome back to the Oscars thing, even though he doesn't get the director nomination. It had been like, kind of a, a... yeah, between uh, Gladiator and The Martian, there are some Oscar nominees in there, like Black Hawk Down and American mm. Gangster, but it's a lot of like Hannibal and Kingdom of Heaven and mm. Body of Lies and Robin Hood and The Counselor and Exodus Gods and Kings. Like it had been a good decade and a half since he had had a, a legitimate hit with the Oscars. And then he comes back with The Martian and then follows it up with. Alien Covenant, which isn't going to be an Oscar thing generally. And this dramatic thriller about a true story with uh like Oscar anointed actors, like this could have been more than it was theoretically. Uh I think from what I read early on, the the awards campaign was already planned to be mostly centered around Kevin Spacey like mm. they weren't necessarily pushing for this to be a best picture like across the board nominee but uh you can see why a movie like this is given the benefit of the doubt where as as far as where it comes in Scott's career yeah and as we said he he was 80 i think when he made it yeah wild but yeah so was this universal did universal this was uh sony oh sony sony pictures it was uh tristar right yeah yes it starts with the tristar logo i'm trying to think what else they had that year but i'm trying to be too clever because i don't really remember those things but yeah i mean he to be fair um going back to my silly naive Oscar predictions. A TriStar this year also had Baby Driver. Good year for their Kevin Ooh. Spacey output. Oh, yeah. We're in the Kevin Spacey industry or business or whatever. Who said that about something else? We're in the something business. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a tangent I've lost. Um, we're in the top. Uh, yeah, what is that quote? That quote that uh, we're not in the something business, we're in the something business. Will, no, it's not Will Smith, is it? Oh, okay, no. God. No, no you're Scott. right. You're right. That's there. That's 
that's in here somewhere. I've got it. Uh, we're in the Ridley Scott business. I don't know. We we're are gonna, in the Ridley. Someone's going to have to tweet us that. We're in the um, Michelle Williams business. Is oh, where honey, we are. We are. Yes. Um, it's Michelle Williams' world, and we're just yeah. living in it. Um, very excited for the Peggy Lee biopic. She's. <gasps> oh yeah, I heard about yeah. that a long time ago. Peggy Lee, an Oscar nominee. Yes, Wait. alone nominee. Oh, <gasps> I love that. Yeah, film. I might have to uh, uh, schedule that around the. What else is Michelle Williams has some other stuff coming up that what 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 are her she, she just had the kelly wright card um, yes is it called taking off or uh showing up showing taking off showing up yeah okay her wikipedia the wikipedia only shows already released i'm you say what you were gonna say i'm gonna look up her uh IMDb. oh yeah oh yeah very far off i i thought ridley scott when the martian was doing super well and the oscars were coming up i was like oh ridley scott's probably gonna win best director because he didn't win for gladiator He's like a legend. He's a great director. He's very versatile. This feels like a good year to give him the win, especially when Inurito won the year before. So you're not going to give it to Inurito again. And look where we are, you know, and he didn't even get a nomination, which is wild. Yeah. Like, and George Miller should have won. But yes. Yeah. Apparently the only thing showing up as, and showing up, haha, uh, upcoming yeah. for Michelle Williams is Fever, is the Todd Haynes, which I forgot, the Todd Haynes, maybe <gasps> Lee. Uh, biopic, which Todd Haynes of Safe and Far yes. From Heaven. Yeah, Todd oh. Haynes. Uh, two to look forward to uh, for Todd Haynes because there's also May December coming out this year. Oh, I think, right, with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman, the original choice for it's all coming Gale. back. All roads all lead back, to baby. all the money in the world. All yeah. roads lead to Rome. The movie's set in Rome. It is. Hey, we got there. <laughs> we got there. Do you want to say your um, spaghetti joke again? Yeah, spaghetti! <laughs> yeah, mamma mia! <laughs> I'm allowed to do this. I'm Italian. Oh, okay. Um, okay, that's... Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> this is a weird one. We're, we're running fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Natalie Portman, how would she have been in this film? I mean, committed. I feel like Michelle Williams yeah. does a better job, though. Like, yeah. you kind of get the better performance from the different alt casting and you know what if you swap out um, mark Wahlberg for brendan frazier who actually went on to play the guy yeah. that's kind of the best you know but he yeah. wouldn't have been cast in this at that point because he hadn't had yeah the i was trying to think like who would i like to see in this role because it's not a very it's not a role that really offers much to the actor generally do you mean uh, chase fletcher chase yes. or whatever he's called yeah just like a broom or something like an yeah. inanimate object with like a suit yeah. on. I don't know. The, the person I thought of, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's it's another actor that isn't really known for his range and doesn't really have a lot of like expressive acting. But I would believe him as like a clean cut CIA guy. I could see this being like a Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay, that might be a bit distracting, but it might be. But like. I could just put him in a suit, get him, get him a short haircut, give him those big old 70s glasses that like uh, are maybe the same. Like maybe Ridley Scott just kept that to put them on Adam Driver for House of Gucci. Those are just the <gasps> yeah. same big old 70s glasses. But well, like, I thought you, you were maybe going to say Adam Driver, not remembering that he is in House of Gucci. Yeah, no, do you know what? Keanu Reeves would be very good. Weirdly enough, I saw John Wick 4 the other day and every single time um, Keanu Reeves said a line, people in front of me laughed that's and annoying like, it's kind of annoying but i kind of found it a bit charming like it was a very like vocal audience so i was like hey i'm, yeah. I'm just gonna vibe with this this is fine 
But I was like, he just just have that power where if you put him in this, people would just laugh at everything he says. But that's kind of because he's just almost an unbelievable as a performer. Like you're like, I right, this guy's very like he sticks out a lot, but in a yeah. kind of quite an engaging way. So he he definitely adds something to the film because Mark Wahlberg brings nothing. Yeah, yeah. and I like maybe it is just that the role is so nothing that like any actor is destined to be boring but like it doesn't help that it's mark Wahlberg. if it was like daniel craig or someone i suppose yeah that'd be distracting like well he... the thing is like mark Wahlberg is also distracting yeah because it's mark wall like it's a role like you're you have to cast an a-lister in this role because it's the the male lead of this big drama thriller so and he's playing a cia agent it can't just be nobody but like Mm. what is the level of of someone that you can put in here that like isn't going to be distracting despite the fact that the character is given very little to do like oh yeah i'm not coming up with anyone no it's it's not a great part and um yeah like james marsden james marsden maybe yeah, he, he's almost too kind of comical in a way. Like, yeah. I, I think that's really his association now is that kind of chipper, like... I'm just trying I to think know, of someone that's kind of like... Very... Like, I think in one of the Getty books, might, it might even be the one that this is specifically based on, because uh, I, I wanted to look into more of this guy's history, the uh, Fletcher Chase, whatever. Uh, like, the only description of him physically that's given in any of these Getty biographies is that he was like tall, blue eyed, handsome in a kind of bland way. Like, like, uh, not notable, but handsome. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, yeah. Anyone. Like Marsden is the, the name that comes to mind for that. Like he's, yeah, he's a beautiful yeah. man, but like, he is. what else do you say to describe a James? Like is, is just sort of classically beautiful and otherwise, almost unassuming in his in his handsomeness i don't know yeah but the the film doesn't suffer for Wahlberg's presence because the character is so standard so, so yeah steady and yeah. he's fine he um, doesn't tank it he just doesn't he's a net uh neutral yes yes he, he adds and takes nothing away from this movie apart from money yeah apart money from money away. and and being on the poster <laughs> Is he on? The, oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's at least on the letterbox poster. I think. Am I thinking he, of the right? Poster? It's the one of them going into the car as the default. Yeah, that. One. I like the one of the the bust. Yeah, the that's bust. a good poster. That's a. It's better, better isn't it? Yeah. Um, the one other kind of note about the film that I can think of is Timothy Hutton is in it, and he's not in tons of things, but it's like whoa, like youngest best, um, supporting actor winner, right next to the oldest best supporting actor nominee, and also the oldest best supporting actor winner. For beginners as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got like the two ends of the spectrum there, and Hutton does like I don't know what the right word is. Like he's here, he's doing a good, he's doing his job. He's like it's serviceable for what the role is, which is nothing. Yeah, which is like a a few scenes where he's he's a lawyer. We have some business to do. Like I'm, I don't shoot me. I'm the messenger kind of stuff, but I'm a bit of a bastard as well. But um, he plays Mister Hinge. So when they started saying Hinge. I was like, oh, like the dating app. But I wouldn't have thought yeah. of that in 2017. Probably because it didn't exist. I don't know. When was I also about? don't know. Um, last thing that I have about the actual movie uh, is that the writer of this, David Scarpa, 
hasn't written a lot, but he did write the upcoming Napoleon. Uh, the Scott <gasps> Napoleon. So oh. who knows? Looking forward that's... to that one. Looking yeah, forward that's... to that Napoleon. Although that's another one where recasting initially it was going to be Jodie Comer as oh, right. Desiree or whoever the female uh, Josephine. Is. Uh, Josephine. Empress yes, that Josephine, sounds right. Yeah. Um, I only know that because like, I was just looking at that Wikipedia. Page. Oh no, no, no! It's Desiree is another woman, I think, in Napoleon's life who that there is a right. film about with Brando, which I've had to watch Ooh. recently, where Brando plays Napoleon. Oh right, that one. Yeah. That, yeah. He made the same year as On the Waterfront. It's not that good. But um, anyway, yeah, Jodie Comer, I was like, oh my God, like, here's your like classic. We always have one a year that gets best lead actor and actress. Or maybe we didn't have it last year, but you tend to have those, like your marriage story, that yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, there you go. Napoleon, best lead actor for Joaquin Phoenix, best lead actress for Jodie Comer. And now as Vanessa Kirby, I'm like, nah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. She's an Oscar nominee, but I felt like yeah. it could be Jodie's time, you know. Yes, which also it did kind of feel like that with the last duel too for a bit, and then. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of I Ridley like, Scott, yeah, the buzz never really formed around her, although maybe from a long way off. I think that film again complicated, like it's very complicated, all wrong on paper, and kind of works, but like people didn't read it in the right way, and yeah. that hurt it. That movie, I think, in a sort of domino effect way was kind of toppled by the pre-pandemic set photos of Mark Wahlberg or not of Mark Wahlberg of Matt Damon with the bull cut and yeah. Ben Affleck with the with the or uh Matt Damon with the mullet and Ben Affleck with the bull cut because yeah those set photos came out like right like early early 2020 and i remember a lot of people being like oh what is this weird Ridley Scott medieval epic movie with them in these weird haircuts and then the pandemic happened and it prolonged the the release on that one by like a mm. whole year and so all we had for a long time was people simmering and sitting with those weird photos of ben affleck and matt damon dressed as knights or whatever and then when the movie comes out it's good but people didn't see it because it had for so long sort of built up this reputation almost and like that's all within a a specific circle like i plenty of reasons why that movie didn't do well financially it was a pandemic movie that's like two and a half hours of like medieval rape stories like yeah. there's a reason that it that wasn't a box office success even if it was very good i don't think i don't even remember seeing it in the cinemas like it was one of those ones that just popped up on disney plus and i was like oh i'll yeah. give it a go um yeah and that was the same year as house of gucci which i did see at the cinema and that was wild. And that made like a hundred million domestic, at least in America. So Something that's like, like that, yeah. Ridley Scott's maybe most like sort of successful film since, since the Martian or, or since Alien I, Covenant. I, yeah. Maybe? Alien. Cause like he hasn't, how many has he made since Alien Covenant? Oh, it's 10. No. Um, so I mean, he, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh wait, hang on. Uh, he's just made another one. No. Um. So Covenant. Oh, it was it was Covenant and all the money in the world, and then nothing until Last Duel in House of Gucci. There was like a oh. three year span where he, which might be the longest he's ever gone without making movies since the Duelists, like since he started making since movies. Since he started. That's Maybe. weird. I'm looking through yeah. this filmography. It looks plausibly like I'm not sitting down and doing the math in my head but like it looks like that's maybe right which is weird well something that made me say earlier 
in a dark timeline, this got a best hair and makeup nomination is because that's the one that House of Gucci got. Yeah, didn't so even get I the know, costume design. I didn't didn't get Gaga for best actress when she really deserved it. Um, I truly believe that. I think that film is she's great. I, I'm so glad Jared Leto. The thing is though, the fact that Jared Leto didn't get a nomination and Lady Gaga didn't either. I'm like, okay, I'd rather live in this world where Jared Leto did. Yeah, she did. I think. Yeah. Uh, I will say nothing about her performance either. I am oh. remaining. She's fine. <laughs> she's it's she's fun. It, she's fun. I don't know if she's necessarily. I don't know if she's. I don't know what she is in that movie. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. yeah I, w- I was quite drunk when I saw her. Actually, maybe I need to watch it again and be like, oh, n- never mind. I've, I have complicated <laughs> thoughts on that movie. Yeah. And by complicated, I mean a lot of them are just sort of general underwhelmedness mm. we're coming so, up on two hours and we haven't gotten right. to the oscar stuff sorry we sorry well there we go we can transition yeah there from uh there. yeah because we, we have been vamping on the rest of this movie as if we didn't have a whole third topic to get into uh so yeah let's move on to some oscar stuff here are this year's nominees for actor in a supporting role willem dafoe the florida project Woody Harrelson, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Richard Jenkins, The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, in terms of precursors, this gets uh, some some notable ones. It has it shows up a lot at the Golden Globes. This movie got three Golden Globe nominations, which is always so funny to me for some yeah. reason. So it gets the Christopher Plummer nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Sam Rockwell wins their uh, carryover. Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Other nominee there being Army Hammer in Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michelle Williams nominated for Best Actress in a Drama. Um, Frances McDormand wins uh, for Three Billboards. You also have Meryl Streep in The Post. Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water and Jessica Chastain in Molly's Game. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do we want to use this to talk about Best Actress now? Just since we have Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a year when I feel like Chastain... The, the fifth slot was maybe a bit in flux and Chastain at one point was like, hey, I mean, she's just had a load of globe. She always feels like the sixth, like with Miss Sloan, I don't think was going to be anywhere near best actress. Yeah. Worth, well, worthy, yes. But, you know, not quite in the conversation because that was the year when like Amy Adams did get a nomination and at Benning did get a nomination. Yeah. But she was close in the a Most Violent Year. Yeah. Year right so it felt like she could be the fifth and then i think the fifth slot was meryl maybe i honestly don't even know who fifth like it seems like this is one of those years where like maybe early on it seemed like there was a chance for for some things that weren't set in stone like uh maybe before people had really seen ladybird or itania or whatever like there there was maybe like oh maybe one of these people but then once those movies got seen it seemed like those five were always the five, even though like, okay, who missed at SAG? Because Judy Dench 
in Victoria and Abdul got like SAG and Globe nominated and surprisingly not BAFTA. But Yeah. Uh, but then BAFTA went for Annette Benning, right? Yes, in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool of all movies. Yeah. Um uh, a very they, like BAFTA film. They didn't nominate Meryl? Meryl, right. Yeah. Yeah, because the post came out super late, didn't it? Yeah, that's why I say I think she's the fifth because I think it, this this is getting into my Oscar period where I will watch anything that potentially is going to get a nomination. And so I sought out Molly's Game and I sought out Victoria and Abdul, I think. No, maybe I watched that on a plane. I think I drew the line there. I was like, I really yeah. just hope this doesn't get a nomination in Best Actress. Um, but yeah, I like sought these out beforehand for the potential nominees and... One of them was definitely this film, but it was more for Plummer. But that box had been ticked. I was like, hey, Michelle could turn up as the fifth. But yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, though. Like, it was very much McDormand winning. Hawkins was an early on front runner. And then, yeah. Although the thing about Itonia and um, Ladybird is they're not really genres that the Oscars necessarily go for, but they do yeah. go for in a big way. So those are really great. They've aged well, like as in terms of nominations. Um but they're not the your typical Oscar. Not guaranteed. Not like well, on yeah. paper, those aren't things that you're gonna slot in as like, oh well, this is a shoe-in nomination. No, no, this definitely is one not. That, yeah. So if you're doing um, it a long way off, you'd maybe put like Molly's game and all the money in the world on where Ladybird and Itonia ended up being. Yes. Because so, yeah. Sorkin and Ridley Scott are are more Oscar-friendly directors at that point than Greta Gerwig and whoever did Itonia. Craig Giuseppe. Craig, that, the, right? uh, uh, Gillespie. <laughs> Craig Gillespie. Gillespie. That's yeah. It. You got Giuseppe we got is a, I was thinking about Italy still. still um, stuck on Italy. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, in terms of like, would you say, like, would should she have been nominated? Is that what you mean? I don't. I just mean, like, just to talk about this race because she was oh, in race. the race because she got this Globe nomination. And, uh, yeah, the, just the narrative wasn't there to push her in there. But I do think, like you said earlier, if this was a race that was more in flux, if the, if there were openings, I think she could have snuck in there. I think she could have, because it's a strong performance. And this is uh, uh, Michelle Williams, an actress that they love to yeah. keep giving nominations to. She got her third nomination the year after this. Fourth. Four. Fourth she got nomination. her fourth, the, the one before. So she'd had... Oh yeah, the year before. That's what I. That's right. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Manchester sorry, by yeah. the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. So she was. Yeah. She. I was, was still stuck on the Martian year. Oh yeah, uh, no. Yeah. So we got the 2016 in in the middle, but yeah. um, yeah, she yeah definitely. I especially because the year before you had a very influx best actress lineup that ended up. I feel like not in a good the best way. Like obviously you have the Amy Adams snub and um Lawrence Foster Jenkins showing up in there. Flo Jenkins and you also have loving like Ruth Nager is amazing in it but it's not a film that people loved and also that felt a bit of a random nomination I think when it came out but it's one of those ones where it got a Globe nomination and then yeah. ended up getting an Oscar nomination so in on my ballot I don't think even Michelle Williams would have made it on this year because I think it's such a strong year and I love yeah. Lady Bird and I love yeah. Tonya and I love Sally Hawkins and I love Frances McDormand. And I think Meryl Streep's doing better work in the post than she is in Florence Foster Jenkins, The Iron Lady, Into the Woods, August Osage County. It's kind of like her best in a, since Julie and Julia. So yeah. 
I wouldn't begrudge at that. So I think it's a good lineup anyway. Yeah. Also at this Golden Globes, though, it was not not just nominated for Christopher Plummer and Michelle Williams. It also gets a Best Director nomination for Ridley mm-hmm. Scott. Uh, and the other, uh, to quote Natalie Portman, uh, men nominated for Best Director. Uh, Guillermo del Toro winning for The Shape of Water. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. And they went they went two for five with the Oscars, which Ooh. is weird. Uh, because Ridley Scott showing up, uh, Martin McDonough for Three Billboards, mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg for The Post. All yes. are Globe nominated and don't go on to Oscar nominations because you get uh, Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, and Paul Thomas Anderson in what is oh, yeah. maybe the best best director lineup in a long time like i think it is the best like in the 21st century it's kind of possibly, yeah interesting. there's always there's usually always one that's like a little bit uh, too yeah. outright bad like the closest i can come to this in my mind is Jane Campion, Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Spielberg, and uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. But then Kenneth Branagh from Belfast really drags down, even though you have great direction in that. The 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 Branagh one, if that had been even Villeneuve for Dune, which is a movie I didn't <laughs> love, but like if you had him in there, that's kind of the how I feel about Nolan and Dunkirk, or Nolan for Dunkirk here, which is like... A very well, com- like well directed movie, uh, well directed action, competently put together. Not one I'm super passionate about, but like mm-hmm. I absolutely respect the direction yeah. happening there, and it's a worthy nomination in that regard. Uh, but yeah, this 2017 best director lineup is unimpeachable. Yeah, yeah. But then the Globes going for that, it's almost like, oh, you, you get why, you know, like, and I think the thing that twins Spielberg this year to Scott is like quick films made by older directors legendary directors too yeah so they're just like come on get, give them the nomination they they're yeah. old and they did it quick you know yeah. which and and scott also has the like the sort of pat him on the back for pulling it off effect yeah the degree yeah. of difficulty of being able to achieve the again, the quick turnaround of having to do these reshoots and delivering a movie in that time and delivering a competent and like coherent movie given all of the troubles like yeah that uh, uh that helps that no- nomination i'm i'm pretty sure oh for sure and yeah and but i think this came out the, the globe nominations came out before the film so that's what gave oh it, right made me go to the cinema being like right this is going to be an os- a big os- you know like that's the thing so i think that's probably why i had the, the i was on the plumber train choo choo not charlie and christopher but um yeah, and he he was more one that we see this a lot with the Oscars, where it was just kind of like taken as a given, I think. And he he showed up at every precursor. Wait, uh, Scott? Sorry, Plumber. No, oh, Plumber. I, yes, I I jumped on the Plumber train. Uh, he didn't get a SAG nomination. I'm actually <gasps> looking at my. This would have been. I have a pl- oh right, they went for Steve Carell for Battle of the Sexes. Oh, and he turned up at the Globes, but in lead for comedy yeah. musical, which is a yeah. good performance. I haven't seen Battle of the Sexes. I should. It's all right. I mean, funnily enough, so one of the more memorable parts of that is Andrea Riseborough and huh. Emma Stone have like a very cute romance in it. Oh, right. Um, yeah. yeah. She plays she plays her girlfriend in that. 
or yeah. wife. I, I don't know if they were married. Um, although speaking of other precursors, Plummer does get a BAFTA nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, other nominees, Rockwell again, winning here, steamrolling the season. Uh, yeah. Will, Willem Dafoe, Woody, I see that smile. Uh, uh-huh. Woody Harrelson <laughs> and Hugh Grant and Paddington too. Oh, sometimes the BAFTAs get it right. And like, I know they didn't give him the win for that, but that is quite an inspired nomination, isn't it? Kind of yeah. one of the most inspired nominations of any awards body of the last mm, hundred years. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, yeah, just something that's aged like a fine wine. And a film that came out, I think, in November in the UK. And I think it re- maybe released early 2018 in America. Yes. He, so, he would have been eligible for the 2018 Oscars. And he was, yeah, like out of the conversation by then completely. But it was one of those ones where it just came out at the right time. They That maybe even got me to see um, Paddington. No, I did see it in November because I remember crying um, in the cinema, as, as you should. But yeah. And yeah, so I remember even in like a lineup where you've got an oddball like Hugh Grant coming in plumber still sticking around it's kind of like oh right the season is like because the the thing is i remember at the time again hindsight is uh 2020 but being a bit like oh army hammer should get a nomination over boring old rich jenkins you know he's yeah. great but actually you look back at call me by your name you're like oh stuhlbarg should have won also stuhlbarg in that in the same year as uh shape of water in the shape post water, yeah great yeah. year for stuhlbarg still not oscar nominated it's gonna happen <sighs> I, it it has to happen, right? It has well, to. I, there's I, Donald Sutherland, you know. Yeah, great actors go their whole yeah. career as well. Getting the recognition, we hope. Yeah. Though, we hope. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This supporting actor year, we'll we'll talk about this lineup, but like, it's kind of Rockwell and Defoe are everywhere, and mm. then toss up between Harrelson, Jenkins, Plummer, who end up getting it, and then like Army Hammer, Michael Stuhlbarg, Patrick Stewart, Mark Rylance. Um. There are a bunch of people in in competition for this one, I feel like. Mark Rylance. For Dunkirk got some citations. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I feel like or that's a even film. like early in it, like early on, maybe before people saw the movie, it was he was in talks. And then when they saw it, it was still like, well, keep him in, in the conversation. Uh yeah, Ray Romano in The Big Sick was a name that came up a bunch, I remember. He's great in um, that. Yeah. Is this the year of 10 Cloverfield Lane, or was that the year before? I want to say that's where. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Might have was been. Was that 2016? I, that's what I'm trying to. Remember. That might have been 2016. I might be. I'd say he's a lead in that though, but I get why you'd bill him in support. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It looks like that was 2016. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think there was a, a campaign to put him in supporting because it's maybe easier case to the, make. Oh to, yeah, definitely. Or a nomination at least. Um, well, that's that, he's another guy where you're like, how does John Goodman yeah. not have a nomination? He's like 70, right? Like it's not like yeah. he's got his entire career to get one it feels like he's I've, passed by so many good chances i i maybe this is wishful thinking but it feels like he's one of those actors that much like in this year that we're talking about like an Allison janney uh although she didn't necessarily have like a as big of a film career as goodman but like mm. actors that work so often that when they finally get their oscar nomination it's going to be a cakewalk to a win just because like everyone loves them. And like, especially for someone that doesn't have a nomination, like yeah, when they finally get a nomination, it's like, Oh, well, here's your Oscar, sir. Sorry for making you wait. Here's yeah. a little, a little hat on top of it. I don't know. I don't know where that riff was going. Um, no, I mean, one can hope one can hope, but yes. there's so many actors now. I think that's the funny thing. Like, yeah, 
Johnny, and again, this is the year, I suppose, Plummer's up against your main man, Defoe. Yeah. And like early on, he was the front runner and then he got taken over by Rockwell, who I loved. And now I feel like he got his Oscar and I went off him. Yeah, I Rockwell. What, I also do really Bickle. love Sam Rockwell, too, is the thing. Yeah. He's a great actor and this performance doesn't... It's He's fine in Three Billboards. I don't think it's a bad performance, but especially like... This whole lineup, kind of everyone pales in comparison to Defoe. And that's not just me putting him on a pedestal as a uh, one of my favorite actors. Like, that performance soars so much above any of the competition here that, like, how do you, how do you watch that movie and not give him the Oscar? I mean, seriously. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll vent about that whenever I do my fr- my Florida Project episode. But Your like, long-awaited. Long-awaited Florida Project, Florida Project yeah, episode. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, well, it's one of those things where I feel like the more I learn about the Oscars, the more I look into it, the more you have to look at like the years yeah. around and how it builds the narratives. And of course, with Defoe, he gets the nomination next year, which you might not have if he'd won or, you know, it, it all affects it. And it's like with Plummer, like without the last station nomination, which is a really weird one, would he have even been considered for beginners? Because that would have been like his first ever nomination. Maybe, maybe, and it would have been fine. But then it's like, if he hadn't have won them, would he have ever been given, offered the role for this and would yeah. he ever have been considered? And there's no world in which he wins for this. But then at the same time, if this came out like 40 years ago, this is like Melvin Douglas winning for being there. It's like an old steady hand doing good work, playing an old guy. And you're just like, yeah, yeah he's been the best. Yeah, sure. Give him, give him the Oscar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of this? Oh, uh, there's still uh, another uh, legitimate precursor to mention. Like, Plummer got some citations in some uh, uh, critics groups and things, but at the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards, oh. uh, uh, Christopher Plummer nominated for Best Supporting Actor. They go four for five with the Oscars. They have uh, Jenkins, Jen- right? Jenkins ends up winning, uh, Defoe, Harrelson, and uh, there's no way Sam Rockwell would have been 50 at this point so he just wasn't eligible right, which i think is the rule okay. for them you have to be 50 or above oh is it the, okay at least in the acting and directing categories makes sense um, okay so their fifth which also like i mean logan isn't a movie that's going to appeal to the aarp crowds but like it's a bit surprising that they didn't go for patrick stewart given that like that he was in the conversation their fifth is uh lawrence fishburne in last flag flying Oh, a film that no one remembers. And yep. it's a sequel to The Last Detail. Did you know that? Is it? Yeah. That can't be right. What? Look it up. It's either like based on the book after The Last Detail. That at least makes sense. But, about oh, the wow. Same, similar characters. There's some like direct link to it. I've never seen it and I love Link later. So I think that's. But, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I also have for them. Yeah, uh, good for Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, he has. yeah, he's another yeah. one where you're like, get get him a, another Oscar nomination. He'll yeah do a cakewalk because he's beloved. Yes. Uh, also yeah. at the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards, uh, Ridley Scott gets nominated for Best Director. Uh, Del Toro wins there as well. You have Spielberg for The Post. Uh, Kenneth Branagh for Murder on the Orient Express. Oh god. Uh, and Reginald Hudlin for Marshall, the Thurgood oh. Marshall movie with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I've never seen that. But I that haven't got an Oscar nomination in song. And I think won. So. It didn't win. This is I the think... Co- this is the Coco year. Oh, remember me, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, was it Common that did the song for Marshall that won? This was a, a Common and Diane Warren joint uh, stand <sighs> up for something from Marshall. Wow. Uh, yeah, sure. Marshall, the uh, film debut of Andra Day as oh. a lounge singer that I think maybe even sings. No, she doesn't sing that song. In the May, you May, can tell me she does, not I believe you. What it's plausible. Have we failed Andra Day? Where is uh, she? Has she done anything since United States versus Billie Holiday? Let's let's know. go on as many tangents. Why not? <laughs> let's make it to four hours. No. Um sure. Yeah, she's someone where I'm like, I just remember the nomination being like, that's totally deserved, but I have no idea what she's how... in an upcoming horror movie directed by Lee Daniels. She's the oh, lead. Lee, da- Lee Daniels lead. doing horror. Okay. Yeah. She plays the mother of an Indiana family whose children purportedly became demonically possessed. Social worker uh, played by Monique. You also have Anjanu Ellis, Rob Morgan, Omar Epps. Glenn Close is in this. (gasps) I might have to. This might be a day one movie. Caleb McLaughlin, the kid from uh, Stranger Things. There's many kids in Stranger Things. But that sounds good. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, set in Indiana, which is where I live. So I have that. I think Lee Daniels might be from Indiana. That, no, that's not right. No, he's from from Pennsylvania. Never mind. That's some deep trivia, knowing where he's from. I guess you're American, so it's maybe easier. But like the other day, my Nana was like, why was George C. Scott born? And I was like, I'm going to have to look that one up. Like, I'm really not sure. Turns out a place called Wise I think it's in Michigan, in Virginia. Anyway, it's a it is from a state. It, it's yeah. from a state. Um, yeah. Any other Oscar related? Do we want to thing? talk about the rest of the uh, supporting actor category that we actually got? The other nominees yeah, here. We've touched on a few of them, right? No, yeah, we, we, we talked briefly about Defoe and Rockwell, uh, and then the other two, the the. Jenkins and uh, not Stuhlbarg, I wish. Um, Woody Harrelson. Where? How do? You, where do you come down on those two? Well, Woody Harrelson. I was thinking about this earlier. He's one of those nominations where it's like he had two nominations, and he is a great actor, and he had put in a lot of good work since his nomination before, which no one cares about. Um, and he, I mean, he was an actor I was only aware of since his other nomination because I think for a lot of people our generation it was the Hunger Games that introduced him. Yeah. And then he pops up and everything. And I feel like it's just one of those cases with free billboards, which almost set a trend in supporting performers where it's like you have one person that pops and there's another supporting performer alongside them. And then you think, well, if Sam Rockwell's going to get a nomination, Woody Harrelson is just as good. So he should get a nomination. I'd say this kind of happened this year with um uh, very, the Martin very, McDonough. Very yes, yes. Where people were like, well, if if Brennan Gleason's in the conversation, Barry Keogh was really good. And then it happened the year before with Power of the Dog, where it was yeah. like, well, hang on, Jesse Plemons is really good. So it's been a, like the weird thing is like before three billboards, it had been since Bugsy, I think, but, since yeah, there had uh, been two supporting actor nominees. Supporting actors, because Bab- Babel and Gosford Park have the... Yeah, and um, the help, and, and supporting actress. And up in the air. So it happens yeah, more often, of but yeah, yeah. yeah. But it had been since 1991, so like, yeah. what, 26 years or something? Uh, and then... Well, yeah. Yeah, so then you have three billboards, 
There isn't one in 2018. 2019, you have the Irishman. 2020 is Judas and the Black Messiah. 2021 mm-hmm. is Power of the Dog. 2022 is uh, uh, Ban- Banshees of an You have like five out of the last six years or something. You've had yeah. uh, two supporting actor nominees. Weird that that trend has kept up since this, but uh, interesting sort of a, a thing going on there. But I genuinely do think it is, unless there's there's no other reason to me that's obvious that it's like you look at one, you think, well, if that's good, the other one deserves it. But then they take up two slots in a five slot category, which is really precious real estate to performers in a year like 2017, which is a year that's fed incredibly well in retrospect. Like this is kind of like if you want to pick a this year was was great for cinema, you're probably going to pick 2017 if you're thinking the last 10 years maybe 2016 but it's a bit more divisive with blah la land yeah but 2017 you got call me by your name you got shape of water shape of water whenever i bring that up to people they don't seem that infused i'm like that was a quite a special and quite a yeah. good best picture winner it's a like great movie love that yeah. movie. and a lot of people like oh, shape movie. of water i'm like well if that can be the meh film if the safe the pick is the fish fucking movie that's pretty good. You've done something right, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in that context, all the money in the world does not fare that well because it's quite no. standard by that. that it's kind that of measure. stale, stale in comparison to the the movies that we're getting. Yeah, like what you're like with Get Out, and Get even Out, even yeah. movies that aren't Best Picture nominees, like I Tanya and The Big Sick, and yeah. uh, what else? What else? Phantom Fred. Oh, I mean, Phantom Fred is a Best Picture. Yeah, but nominee. I. I pull up the page that i already had lady Bird, open, find it again. um blade runner 2049 oh, and oh. mudbound yeah. and coco and oh. dunkirk and oh. uh other move florida project oh yeah i mean there you go yeah so it was a great it was a great year oh something else oh i, I was gonna like tangent off that into another side conversation like not side conversation it's still oscar uh relevant um but it is that this is an interesting year for best adapted screenplay as well because okay. winner is call me by your name best oh, yeah. mudbound is nominated which has a handful of nominations mm. and the other three screenplay nominees are for movies that didn't get any other nominations <gasps> Uh, oh. with uh, The Disaster Artist and Molly's Game and Logan. Oh, that is weird. And Logan's yeah. like the first comic book film to get a nominee. Well, no, no. I first superhero. Stuff. First superhero yeah. film to get like a writing. Yeah, and yes. then you have like Joker and stuff that come afterwards. Which I think got yeah. a writing nomination. Ooh. Yes. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah. And Mudbound, a film that no one talks about. Yeah. It's it's a good one. It's I, pretty good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Harry Mulligan and Michelle Williams, I feel like a similar yes actresses, actresses that when I was first getting into movies sometimes had had to Thought stop and think about which one was in which movie. Like yeah, yeah, shame that was Carrie Mulligan. Uh, yeah, because I uh, they, they they look similar enough that before I was really seriously into movies, I sometimes had to uh, uh, stop and think and, and really ponder that. But uh, yeah, weird year for adapted screenplay. I could see a, a world where all the money in the world ends up with the nomination there just because it's a movie that's getting like it's not that it's rare to get these lone screenplay nominees because that has happened pretty consistently i think i think since 2000 there's only been one year without one and it was like two years ago 
Oh, okay. Uh, but there's usually at least one, but more often it's in the original category because that's where you can favor these movies that aren't getting love elsewhere. And adapted yeah. tends to be pretty closely tied to best picture. And this just happens to be a year where most of the best picture nominees are original screenplays. Excuse me. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, yeah. So I think this was a long tangent on the other <laughs> best work actor. Oh, yeah, but also I, I just a, a way to tie it into this movie. Yeah, just like yeah, odd oh, that, that it could that they yeah. could have popped up elsewhere. Yeah, and I feel like it could have got some makeup. Could have got a makeup yeah. nomination, maybe, but um, there's obviously not as much as the spacey version. Um, yeah. What other major movies? Uh, had makeup. I know. I just mean like were adapted that could have oh, shown sorry. up. Like. I think I, Tonya was original. Yeah, like Roman J. Israel was original, just looking at even the other acting. This, yeah, this is the only of the uh, uh, acting-nominated movies that would have been eligible in adapted screenplay and just wasn't nominated. And then even like Blade Runner 2049... That would be adapted, yeah. technically, wouldn't it? Yes, that could have shown up in there. I re- like, I've gone back into like what was thought of like what was predicted to get adapted screenplay nominees and it's stuff uh, like the lost city of zed and the beguiled and wonder were like wow the the higher tier contenders in that category just because like i'm actually okay brief pause i'm gonna pull up that gold derby page uh where you can look back at the past predictions oh yeah just i bet f- wonder was probably quite close up cause yes because it made a lot late. of money quite late in the game and it was a crowd pleaser yeah did well and it got the makeup nomination so you could probably give but then lost city of zed i mean that's like was z um that's uh that wasn't even in the conversation really so it must have been a very sparse year but that's why you get a winner like oh not a winner sorry a nominee like logan where it's like yeah logan gets nomination cool um Uh, i bet this was like seventh if they rank them like Michelle Williams, maybe ninth, eighth. Yeah. So yeah, looking at this uh, uh, Gold Derby stats page. So yeah, the top five uh, are the ones that end up getting nominated. Call Me By Your Name, Mudbound, Molly's Game, Disaster Artist, Logan. After that, it's The Beguiled, Wonder, All the Money in the World, Wonder Woman, Victoria and Abdul, mm. Last mm. Flag Flying, Blade Runner 2049, Lost City of Zed, Wonderstruck, the Beauty and the Beast live action remake. Oh. The Last Jedi, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, then you get into like stronger and film stars don't die in Liverpool and first they killed my father. Like it the, this was not it's to the point where like within the top 25 uh predicted quote unquote in this aggregate is uh The Snowman. <gasps> A f- terrible film. That's how weak of a uh, uh, the the field was for this uh, adapted screenplay category. That like you had how many people? You had nineteen predicted, and a lot of that is probably just like people that put it in their predictions early on and then didn't take it off, didn't like yeah touch their predictions uh, afterwards. But like that's how how sort of bleak this adapted screenplay category got when you like combed through it is that yeah i i don't know it's just interesting that all the money in the world a movie that has oscar 
like buzz elsewhere had that you know that globe director and actress nomination wasn't considered exclusively a plumber thing uh that it wasn't really ever a contender in adapted screenplay who knows i don't know yeah i mean maybe if this goes back to the film in general if the side of the film that was um john uh sorry uh, paul um the kidnapped person if it was more compelling when you're with him because it's quite a lot of the film and his kidnappers it probably could have got a nomination but i think that side of the film is so much weaker that it's it's not compelling as a whole it's just compelling as showcases of performers and you know there's interesting ideas with getty as we're talking about the character that's in the script as much as it's in plumber's performance but when it comes to the other half of the film it's so bland and pretty boring with quite intense um scandalous material that yeah. you it kind of forfeits that right to deserve a screenwriting slot yeah yeah that's fair yeah and other than that i mean like it's set in the 70s i said the thing about the, the reconstructing 70s rome i mean it's for like one particular scene at the start you're like oh there we go but i suppose other than that like where else could it show up yeah yeah i don't know do, do we want to to yeah do we want to move on to those closing thoughts then uh yeah 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 if you want to so uh in your fantasy world where you get to pick all of the nominations what mm. nominations would you have given to all the money in the world honestly and maybe i have a knack about picking films like this but i definitely nominate plumber alongside different um nominees to the ones we got but plumber very much i think deserves a place in there and then other than plumber i struggle if there was a if there was a category for trailer editing or best trailer i might give it the win um but other than that i think there's it's a really strong year where not even michelle williams who's maybe my second favorite part of the film would get into the lineup maybe she'd be my five maybe she'd be my fifth I don't know. This actually, is also a really good year, like uh, for a best actress aside of yeah. aside from the ones that got nominated with like uh uh Phantom Thread for Vicky Creep. Oh yeah, and yeah. The kid from the Florida project and oh um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some really good leading actress performances this year as well. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. So just the what about you? Any uh yeah, I think I'm probably with you. I would keep the plumber nomination at least like maybe not if if you look at my actual five for this year, he might not make my top five, but okay. like it's a worthy nomination. It's I I respect the impetus behind it. I think it's a good nomination for the performance itself as well. Uh probably my second favorite out of these actual nominees uh uh oh, behind Defoe. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Shape of Water and Three Billboards, so I don't know. But yeah, I think he's he's at least better than the Billboards boys. And I don't know about Jenkins. He's he's good in that from what I remember. The thing is, Jenkins is just always that good. It's a yes. bit like Plummer where you're like, oh, he's just always good. So I don't really begrudge Jenkins' nomination, yeah. but I, he has a line in that film where he says like if i if i could tell someone younger any advice i'd say brush your teeth and fuck a lot and i think about that like once a month or something so yeah. you know maybe it's jenkins giving it a bit of that jenkins pizzazz that made that line stick in my head for six years so 
sorry to go over your point there but yeah he, he i think what i wanted to come on to talk about beside all the uh, production trauma of this film and the interesting stuff around it is people write this off and did at the time as oh plumbers just getting a nomination because you know the controversy around it uh, and almost was like you could take this nomination out of the game and it wouldn't matter but i think it does and i think it's a symbol yeah. of um hollywood doing doing something quite amazing you know like turning this around with two 80 year old men um really quickly but yeah it's just a sign i don't know I, and it's his last nomination he's not going to get any more because he's sadly gone now and i think it's such an it's it's a small nomination it's one out of 20 acting nominees in a great year that is a piece of history yeah 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 no i'm, I'm right there with you this is a nomination that uh i just the, the fact that they were able to pull off this performance and make it as good as it is under the circumstances i think that alone is worthy of, of you know con- consideration worthy of mm-hmm. talking about it worthy of remembering it and then on top of that the fact that it is a really good performance is what pushes it over the edge to an actual nomination and being yeah. worthy of that nomination not just being worthy of oh remember when they did this that's an interesting footnote like the fact that they did it and it was good and it worked and it made the movie better as a whole i think is what makes this nomination worthy because he's elevating the material in a way that the previous actor like by all accounts just wasn't yeah and so he he makes the the material around him better and that's what you want from a supporting performance and it's a good nomination on that uh on the back of that uh fingers crossed for um poor things is the name of the yorgos movie right the oh poor yeah. things yeah yeah with willem right yes fingers crossed for willem defoe this year please please oh please oh please oh we thought that about the lighthouse didn't we and then yeah i was gonna say that lighthouse was a horror movie but also poor things is frankenstein so oh is it oh no who knows what will happen but yes it's a it's a yorgos movie so who knows yeah but yeah fingers crossed for poor things fingers crossed for willem dafoe uh i might i might have to save florida project for when that movie comes or for like this year, this season, if this ends up being the Defoe season, or if it ends up looking like a Defoe season, I might save Florida Project for then to do it around then. Yeah, because I remember you saying you were going to save it for like a special occasion, right? Or like maybe your yeah. hundredth. But if you pass your hundredth, hundredth is coming up soon, and I do have a movie. I I've I have specifically the movie. I think I've mentioned before what movie I wanted to save for number one hundred, but I, ha- I do have oh. that set in stone. That's uh coming up soon, so a little Ooh. teaser for that. Exciting. Uh, be prepared for whatever that movie might be. Ooh, um, I look forward to it. But yeah, uh, I th- uh, I don't. Oh, I didn't even really finish like conclusively. Um, yeah, I don't think I would give this any other nominations. I did really like Michelle Williams, but like we've said, this is a really good and stacked lead actress year. Even if you take out Francis, who's good but maybe not best of the year and i still haven't seen the post but like i can fill out that category with five other great performances from this year before i get to michelle williams and like yeah she's worthy of consideration but she's not in my top five and i can feel comfortable saying that um 
but otherwise, no, no other nominations. This isn't going to get Wahlberg his second uh, uh, best best art decoration for Mark Wahlberg as wallpaper as as an inanimate object in this movie. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if like if all the pay stuff had come out during the nominations, if that could have been Michelle Williams. But oh, we had it. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the time. Right. I feel like it came out afterwards. And there's an interesting clip of her talking about it on Graham Norton. Anyway, to throw that in, but you never know. Anyway, you never know. It's anyway, all history now. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Uh, thank you for coming on this episode. Thank you for closing the loop on the acting categories. Uh, had a great time with this one as always. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for indulging me and anyone listening still, because we've been we've been going. But yeah, I think we've at this point we've talked longer than all the money in the world. Oh, well, there we go. That's a sign of a good podcast. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the blank check do it often. So, you know, we're in good company. I do just want I not to say another thing in this long podcast, but uh, it is funny that they name drop the title of this movie not once, but twice. Yeah, it's the 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 uh, kidnappers like you have all the money in the world. Yeah, and then Wahlberg says it again uh, at the end when he's resigning, when he's like pseudo threatening oh. Getty and like, "Hey, I've been your security. I could kill you if I want. Anyway, you have all the money in the world. I quit. Bye." <laughs> they were really like, yeah, cut to the Leo meme of him pointing at the TV. But yeah, we okay. didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug at all? Oh, well, actually, um, I've made, since last talking to you, I've made two films. I've oh, directed two the films. Rid- the Ridley Scott of this podcast. <gasps> True. Good point. Oh, God, I almost pulled my microphone out then. Um, <laughs> and they'll be coming out in the next month. So um, if you follow me on Twitter, I think my name is almost original, underscore almost original. I thought I was that was going to be my brand. Um, and I'll put them on there. And I'll probably yeah. put them on Letterboxd if I can. So letterbox is a good place to follow me steel 98 um yeah so look forward to that showing people those right on yeah uh check those out when they come out and you can find this show on twitter and letterboxd at lone acting noms and on instagram at the lone acting nominees that'll be it for this episode thank you for listening it's the time of the season when love runs high in this time Give it to me easy And let me try With pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promised lands To show you everyone It's the time Of the season For Like me.